0: All right, another exciting episode of Long Winded Spiel, episode twenty-five. Um, I want to start off by saying, uh, last week, uh, last episode, episode twenty-four, I was wrong on one prediction uh, regarding the UFC fight card two thirteen. I was wrong on the um, what was the uh, the Robert Whitaker against Uel Romero. Apparently, Whitaker won the fifth round. Uh, good for him. I still think Romero in a rematch would win that fight, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. But uh, unfortunately, Valentina Shemenko and Amanda Nunez were not able to compete. But uh, my pick still holds true. I still think Valentina would win that rematch, but I guess time will tell. So, moving on to episode twenty-five, I just want to—I'm really excited to finally have Mike Gilman back. Yo, yo, yo! Finally back. Uh, finally he, back. Yeah, and he's going to be here for. Uh, <laughs>
1: You' gonna be here for how long now? Uh, uh, at least the next four or five episodes. At least the right? next. I'm pretty much booked for the rest. of For the, of the rest life. of it, yeah, good dude. Pretty good. much in.
0: Yeah, the last the last episode was a little uh, a little weird, weird not having you there. Yeah, but, it I mean, was you're just you know.
1: Yeah, I felt, I felt a strange. little weird listening to the podcast. and yeah. I, I felt like I was like I had comments to say and I couldn't couldn't get them out. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, uh, we are we, uh, g- going on that. We were joking about uh, you calling in during the podcast, and yeah. actually me throwing that on the microphone, uh, and you kind of giving your predictions. Next time, I say just fucking do
1: it. Next time, I, if I ever do miss a podcast, I will be calling in just to make sure. I, a little and, surprise visit. I'm gonna have to do a, a little bit of testing on that in terms of how <laughs> the speaker speakerphone volume yeah. is gonna work what out. But, uh, just use Skype. Uh, Skype. There you Plug Skype into it. It's, there you go. That.
0: And uh, listeners, in case you're curious uh, on who that was I have uh, three special guests here today for episode 25 Uh, For those of you that listened to last week's episode That was uh, was setting up this episode And it's all about cocktails, spirits, bars, just everything And I brought three of the most knowledgeable people that I know personally About those particular uh, genres Um, uh, The return of Matt Roadhouse Rodick He's finally back, got him back Uh, If you're a long time listener, you've heard this guy before and I have two brand new guests, one of which is the first time ever being on a podcast, so I'm really yep. excited to be the first one. So I got that on my uh, on my shoulders now. Uh, uh-huh. Mr. Chris Raba. Chris Raba, introduce yourself. Hey there, your how officer. are
2: you? Um, yeah, uh, I'm Chris Raba. Been a bartender for seven years now, nice. almost, just about. Yeah. Uh, and just a huge nerd in general about <laughs> it, anything I get my hands on. That's why we have you uh, on, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, booze booze, especially.
0: Hell yeah, all right. Cheers and to then nice uh, well, one of his best friends, also another one of my good friends, uh, Mr. Andrew Resendez. Hello. Andrew,
2: it's
0: a little
3: something about yourself, sir. How long have you been bartending? Oh, I've been, uh, actually, it was uh, last week was uh, marked at uh, three years of the famous. Jesus. Yeah, July, July oh, 2nd. And uh, these other fine two gentlemen here, uh, Matt and uh, Chris, they were uh, both two of my best mentors, but also like Chris actually got me into the whole industry of uh, of booze hounding and uh, <laughs> drink slinging and defenders of the good times and all that. So you so guys he, know who
2: to blame, yeah. all right? Yeah. You guys know who to blame. So I'm am I'm, I'm,
3: I'm relatively I'm relatively new at it compared to these uh, these experts over here, but I, I tend to pick up everything. I I don't put anything down. Like once gotcha. I get into something, it's just. And this is such an easy thing to get into, isn't uh-huh. it? It
0: is. It's, it's like. Uh, it's a slippery slope, as I always <laughs> like <laughs> It really is.
3: Alcoholism. It is, man, <laughs> right? Yeah, you just fall in love with it. And well, uh, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you okay. off. Go on, go on. I was just going to ask, like, well, I mean, that's a great place to start. Like, where did. Like, where did you. Like, where were you or what was it when you, like, knew that, like, you really liked bartending? Like, it wasn't just something you were doing, that's like, on the question. side. It was like. Because I, I haven't been doing this as long as you uh-huh. guys have, so it's like. When was it that you were like, "Holy shit, I like yeah. doing this, and this is like fun. You I know, can keep man, doing this." I, I don't
0: remember that exact moment, but I do remember uh, bartending. And when I started bartending, it was really just like a means to an end. Like I need to make some extra cash. I was making more as a bartender than I was as a server. And then I quickly realized that the 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 perks of being a bartender were there, but as far as the financial gain between the server and a bartender wasn't really that much of a difference. So I was like, "Well, maybe I should just." kind of serve and do both kind of a thing. So I didn't really take bartending serious for a few years actually. And it wasn't until I went back to just straight serving where I was I realized that I missed it. I missed the atmosphere of being behind the bar because you're looked at differently. You know, like like whenever somebody comes up to a bar, they immediately think of you as Yo, this is my buddy, man. This guy is going to mm-hmm. give me the booze that I'm looking for. And uh, he's a cool guy. And, you know, like he's going to recommend – you have to be sociable. He's yeah. going to recommend something that I've never heard of, but I know I'm going to like it because that's what he's good at. As opposed to a server who, in a lot of ways, is just kind of like – oh, he's just a server. Like he's not like – um, yeah, Like a middleman. Yeah, like a middleman. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy that goes and gets of my offenses. beer as opposed to the bartender giving it to me directly. Like he really mm-hmm. is a middleman. And uh, that's when I realized that it wasn't necessarily the – it was more of the respect that I got behind being a bartender that I missed that I didn't realize that I was even gonna miss and it became like a, a relevant thing for me. And then I was then I was like, you know, I need to get back into bartending and then that's all she wrote and the, I just got back into the, it. The and servers then, the servers yeah. at
3: the uh, the Americana when they talk to us, they're just like they see or hear like how we interact with customers mm-hmm. and like there's like there's very much a jealousy yeah, there is like you you can't tell customers no it's like yeah we can yeah, like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're encouraged to actually yeah I mean dude I don't know it's like
0: it's a for me it's just more of like a respect thing and I really appreciate that like I appreciate the difference between the two and don't get me wrong I think being a server first actually made me a better bartender because I just I feel like I'm a little bit more hands-on than most bartenders are uh, but Again, like as far as like knowledge on drinks and spirits, I've been, I mean, you can't learn everything in a day. So yeah. I've been, I've been slowly building my, uh, my toolbox on like all these different spirits and all that. And a lot of it's from, uh, Mr. Roadhouse here. And, uh, unfortunately I didn't get to work with you personally, which I wish, really wish I would have. Because, I mean, you're a really knowledgeable guy. I feel like I would have learned a lot. Really, man, like, um... <laughs> verbally sucking you off here buddy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: you were,
3: <you're> not are <laughs> so, not me you're not missing all that. Buddy. I mean it's so, a
2: double edged yeah. sword, okay. right? So double edged sword. How much time did I spend on mint? on like making sure the mint was amazingly like amazing <laughs> <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you can blame oh, yeah. him for
3: all of yeah. my, my attention to it dude it's well, all good attention, man. To, all
2: detail attention to detail is a double edged sword yeah. right Well,
1: we never had bad mint yeah, yeah it's really really fucking
2: bad true bad i had amazing there mint you go, like, man.
3: there you
1: go there you go now i want to try yeah. one of your drinks <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
4: right.
1: chris
3: what about you like yeah you've you been doing you've been doing like actual bartending like not like restaurant bartending for like a long time now Yeah. when was it
2: Man, what did I know? Well, I actually, so I got into bartending because I graduated from college and my original career plan fell through right as I was graduating. And so I just asked myself, I was like, all right, what do I enjoy doing and how can I make money doing it? And in college, I loved, uh, I loved bartending. I found that I naturally gravitated towards it. Um, you know, that's like what I wanted to do at parties. I used to like volunteer to bartend people's parties. People used to like, come up to me and at a party and, and, you know, with a red cup full of like plastic bottled gin or something and be like, all right, I got this gin. Like, what can I do with it? Like, what can you do with this? And I would just open people's fridges and just go through their fridge and randomly pull some stuff out and be like, all right, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And you know, you taste it and you're like, all right, cool. Need some more like acid or it needs some more sugar. And you just kind of build it from there. And, and so, uh, I just became known as doing that and then, uh, you know, I I thought to myself, right, like when I first got into it, I was like, man, there's got to be a better way to get drunk than drinking like Natty Ice and Jungle Juice, like there's got to be a better way to do this, right, and so I, I just started buying things and experimenting and trying things, Uh, And then when I I found that, I was like, all right, I think I got some combinations here that are better than what most parties can offer. Mm -hmm. I used to roll with a backpack full of everything I needed except for cups and ice, right? I used to roll with all the mixers I needed, all the booze I needed. And I had everything but cups and ice with me. And people used to come, uh, I'm not going to say where. I'm not going to actually give away what college. Board like, names, yeah. But, no. but, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say, I'm not, not going to keep this a little anonymous, but people used to come up to me uh, like, like on the sidewalk on a Friday night when I was just going around from party to party, and they would come up to me with, an, with a red cup full of ice. And they're like, Chris, make me a drink. Right, oh. and I was like, "All right, cool, I got you," and I just like, <laughs> like, I'm like ready to go, and Cyclops just you know, bartender. just yeah, <laughs> were just, the mo- <laughs> just great, mobile dude. bartender. That's great. Uh, what, were,
0: you, were you working at the time, or were you just doing that? As, like, I was a just doing that hobby. for fun. Really? That was, yeah, that was just. You just say it was
2: a hobby, or was it just something you did? Just yeah, because? I mean, it was just it was just fun. It was just a hobby, you know. I liked uh, my roommate and I used to like throw one huge epic party like once a semester. Like, we, we got a professional like, turntable set. We did okay. profe- like, like a lighting setup. We did, we like spent weeks planning out this one epic party. And I would like plan all of the drinks and just figure out the logistics behind all mm-hmm. of that. And we, you know, just turn our kitchen into a bar. Uh, and that's, that's what I did. Like, I, I bartended our parties. Um and that was a lot of fun. Like I loved doing that. So that sounds like a lot of fun. So, it's like shotgun bartending. It's just so like gotta, you, work, you
0: work with what you got, you know
2: what yeah, I mean? So You're I gotta tell this work.
3: I gotta tell this story real quick. Um our friend Mike has his parents have an amazing house. Like mm-hmm. it's got like a private road that goes up and it's got like a scenic view from the San Fernando Mountains of the entire LA basin. Yeah. And he likes to throw parties up there and one evening they're having a party up there, he's like, Oh, there's gonna be kegs, like we're like, we'll have like uh, just basic stuff and there's a pool or whatever. You guys should come. Chris decides, I don't know where he acquired all this crap, but he had two full boxes of booze and mixers that he's just like, you know what? This will be fun. I'm going to bring this stuff. Hey, Mike, can I bartend your party? He's like, yeah, but like we already bought everything. He's like, "Don't worry, I'll bring all my own stuff." And Mike was like, "Yeah, you can bartend, but we
2: just have like a keg. You know what like, I mean? Like, you, if you want to be in charge of pouring the beer, yeah. like, sure." And I was like, no, "No, no, 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 I got this." Like, you know what I mean? Like- so
3: there. We, so I get recruited. We're hauling up this private road because there's no parking on this road. Uh-huh. This like, we're just hauling these two big heavy boxes up this road. We set up on this like plastic table again, plastic cups and ice. And Chris just pouring his own stuff. And I've never seen a party segregate by gender faster than that party. Really, The guys were over by the keg and in the pool and literally every female with the exception of one girlfriend at Chris's bar. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking his drinks. And the guys going over there going like, what's going on over there? (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even realize that like this was going on and then later on like it was just that became the talk of the entire party. The entire party was all about how Chris just showed up and was making mixed drinks and now all the girls were like enjoying it because it's like Mm -hmm. and that's the other part of it too. It's like It's all about making people happy, though, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I I mean that's. It took me a while to learn this lesson, and I think it was really Matt Wallace that like drilled it into my head. But he's like, man, the bartender is the host of the party. Yeah, it's the most important lesson ever I ever learned. Is like the bartender is the host of the party. Your job is to give people a good time. Right and whatever that means like that's your job. Mm-hmm. But, so I, I yeah. 100% agree with that, that.
5: That includes safety, that oh, includes yeah. exactly, you know, exactly. a friend, you know, mm-hmm. you need to be a shoulder to you need to be a psychologist, mm-hmm. you need to you need to be a, a jack of all trades. You really do. And put a fucking smile on and you you know, you help people get through days sometimes.
0: You do, man. And not
5: just do. with the, you know, the serving of the alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's actually with having a conversation. Sometimes just, people come in the bar all the time and just want to talk. Yeah. All they want to do is just have a conversation with somebody because yeah, they don't have true. anybody to talk to. You that's know? true. I,
0: I've, I've always said, like, you have the power to make or break someone's day. Yeah. You can make someone's day that much more meaningful by, like, giving them an extra shot or, yo, know, this beer is on me. All of a sudden, they leave that bar with that mindset of, holy, holy shit, dude, I'm coming back to this place. And that bartender, like, fucking really made me feel like a, like a million bucks right now. Like, I feel like I'm just, like, you know, on a good streak. Or... You can do the opposite. You can shit on somebody and <laughs> yeah. completely ruin their day. You know, yeah. it's like you, you have a lot of power, man. Like you, you, really are like the Geppetto, and you're like playing with these strings, and you're like serving <laughs> booze, and then people are just like feeding off of that. And uh, it, I, Matt Walsh always say, "We're the uh, the defenders of good of yeah. good
3: time." And, like, that's something that I 100% agree with. That was
1: a good, with quote that I heard you just 100% agree Yeah, I heard
3: that
2: too. I was like, oh, yeah. man, I want that on a yeah. t-shirt. No,
3: Matt, <laughs> Matt trademarked that one. That's actually, yeah. like, if you go, if you look, at my, Facebook, if you look at my Facebook my Facebook profile, like, underneath where it says my employment moose then, that's just the description. No, that's no, all That's right. all it says. It yeah. Dude, the I'm
5: going to trademark that. if He hasn't yeah. already. i am snatching that right up. Oh, it's a
3: He will. he will hunt you for that, I think. You know how he is. Matt Wallace is someone that would do that. Yeah, So,
0: hey. same question like what at what point did you realize that like bartending was something that you really wanted to uh i've always enjoyed being the center of attention a little
5: bit you know but not even necessarily the center of attention but kind of the guy who makes everything flow really smoothly kind of kind of behind the uh the behind the scenes a little bit Uh as a social lubricant with the alcohol you know especially having uh, my favorite part of bartending, one of my favorite parts of bartending is when you're you have different people sitting at the bar that don't know each other, and you're able to connect their conversation. I'm really do yeah. that. Yeah. Dude, that is just the coolest yeah. feeling in the world I when you're able was, to... But yeah. You know, you just kind of... And then all of a sudden, they just made a new friend, and they associate that new friend with the bar. We've had couples meet at our bar and had their wedding reception at our bar.
3: I remember this.
5: Yeah. Like a, really? And, yeah. Star. And That's, we just had a couple come in um, last week, and they're... Uh, they were celebrating their one-year anniversary because they had their wedding reception at our bar and they had their engagement party We that- he asked her wow. to marry
3: him at the famous. Was that the same one? Is that a uh, two
5: separate couples? Oh shit That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying yeah. like people you know and when you're able, not necessarily I'm not taking credit for that We should never know We I should take credit for that but when people make friends and relationships and you know you become a part of a phase of people's lives, you know like Really sure. especially when they're coming in all the time with their friends. They get to know the bartender kind of like, oh, when they move somewhere else or move on with their lives, they're always going to remember how that, oh, remember how great it was at The Famous? Remember Chris and Andrew and Roadhouse and Derek and, you know, they compare their experiences in the future to what they had with us.
2: Yeah. Man. I
5: I just think that's really cool. You know, Mm -hmm. there's there's a a lot of downsides to alcohol and bars, but there's a lot of really cool things that happen with it. Like,
0: I don't know, like, especially with alcohol, like, the one downside I will say is, um, it's just... The easiest way to fix the downside is just moderation because everybody always says, oh, you, just, you, if you drink too much, it's bad for your health and this and that and you make bad decisions. Well, maybe it's not at the alcohol that's doing it. Maybe it's you. Like whether or not you're, you know, you're drinking four or five beers a day, I mean you can easily substitute that out for four or five cheeseburgers a day. Like You know what I mean? like it, it, it's, just, it's a matter of capturing that habit that you know you have and making sure you, you, you shrink it down to where you put everything in moderation. Like, if you're going to blame the alcohol for, you know, being the main crutch on why, you know, you're not happy in your life, well, the alcohol just got there first is how I look at it. Like it could have been the alcohol. It could have been the cheeseburgers. It could have been fucking the Diet Coke that you drink every fucking day or yeah. the Viking that you take every day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't crack. know. I just I, Yeah, it's just <laughs> crack. crap. crack. It's probably the worst end of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's Same. polar opposite, but 100% agree. 100% like, agree. You get my point. If, it's, it's not the alcohol. It's the person behind it. That's why yeah. I'm like, yes, alcohol gets a back stigma. But, I mean, dude, it's just – it's just beer or it's just booze. Like just, just have a couple, drink some water, eat some food, and then have another one to kind of settle you out. Don't drink until you black out. Like who the fuck wants to do that anyways? You know what I mean? I mean there are huh. a lot of people that want to do that
2: Yeah, I feel like that's a different yeah. conversation. It's yeah. 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 like yeah. digging in when,
3: when you're, to a when, different when side. When you're yeah. going down Hollywood Boulevard and your best <laughs> yeah. friend is dressed as a leprechaun with a boombox on his shoulder, drink until you black out. Seems kind of appropriate. Yeah. <laughs>
4: are you that was a great time. No, wait, that was a good wait, time. So uh, wait a more. minute, more more stories, yeah. more stories, more stories. But the great okay. and, and infamous Chris Rock. Yeah, what was, what was I, I can go into this. Should we
0: just uh, jump into that one? You guys yeah, sure. Start let's, start. Just,
2: let's just jump into this. So I, I love <laughs> things that are over the top, right? Got and my, my favorite holiday. Tell me, it's Halloween. What oh, I, I, I love St. Halloween. That's second. St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Is I have right. some nice Halloween and alcohol stories as well But okay. St. Patrick's Day in particular is my favorite Why is that? Um, you know, I am in love with the Irish. Okay. I'm in love with Ireland as a country and its people and its culture. Uh, I've never been in a place where I've just felt more at home. Just even just breathing the air, right? Like it feels right. Buddy, I, um, I had a very similar experience with the Irish
0: back in Vegas and I, I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. Those people are just so welcoming and they just. Love to have a good time. Exactly, I fit right in. You were there, man. I
1: was there.
2: You yeah, were there for it, buddy. Crazy. I, I agree. Sorry, I
4: don't mean. Yeah. To, no, no, I'm, it's 100. No, 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 for sure. So
2: I, I, love Ireland and I love the Irish and like I love that whole culture. Um, and because of that, I've kind of you know, uh, like uh, taken St. Patrick's Day as my day of like commemorating and celebrating that culture. Okay. Um, and there was one a few St. Patrick's days ago. I decided to sponsor a pub crawl. Uh, and And this was before Lyft and Uber got big, and I basically said, "You know these are the bars I'm hitting in this order." Will join us at any point And I will pay for all of the taxis mm-hmm. In between all of the bars Right, right? Like, So you. You, 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 yeah. you're with me And, and I'll, pay, I'll, I'll make sure you get through all of it nice. um, And so we started in West Hollywood I was working at the Evelie at the time And uh, as well as the Famous And my goal was to progress slowly From like West Hollywood All the way through Hollywood uh, And then at Water And then to Glendale uh, And like finish at the Famous mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I, uh, I took it a few steps further than that, <laughs> uh, as you but, right because like, <laughs> I don't, I don't ever, I don't do things half-assed. Like if I commit to something, I'm there like 150%, you know uh, what I mean? Like I'm going to make this as big and ridiculous as possible. So I said, all right, I'm going to dress up as a leprechaun,
4: <laughs> right? Head to toe. <laughs>
2: As a leprechaun.
3: <laughs> For context, because you can't see Chris Raba. Uh, Chris Raba stands like a healthy, like five foot five. Fuck you. Uh,
2: it's five seven. It's f- it's a healthy five seven. All right. <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> so we take a picture at the end of
0: yeah right. Right. right yeah we, we yeah. actually always do <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, really process. quick can you please describe
2: your outfit like i want, okay. I want to get yeah, it yeah, yeah. Right. all right all right all right In so detail, sir. In so detail. i think <laughs> that the the crux of of the outfit was i have an uh like an emerald a velvet emerald green jacket with Fuck brass yes. buttons and like gold, Sold. like uh, gold <laughs> braiding around the buttons like all the way down, right? Like double-breasted, yeah. like brass buttons and gold braiding. Okay, um, and so that that's like the crux of it. And then I have I have a gold bow tie. I have the green bowler cap with a with a like a, a like a belt, like a black belt and like small buckle on it. Um, bright green shorts. Uh, and like, you know, like, like brown leather shoes and like nice, like brown, like socks hiked up to my knees. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Was, everything you would picture in a Hollywood audition for a leprechaun. Right. Yes. Now, I, I would crush, a, I would crush oh, it. I have the perfect oh, leprechaun sure, outfit. Man, I'm sure. <laughs> so I, I, I have that and I was like, also I need a boom box with, uh, so I, so I brought a, a, a big ass boom box with me and every time that we were like walking between bars or waiting for a taxi, oh right. Or even sometimes in the taxi, I was playing like Irish folk music or mm-hmm. Irish punk rock, mm-hmm. right? Like I was just playing like, like Irish music with us the whole time. Uh, and then I also had a leather bag, Full of gold dollar coins, so I literally <laughs> had like a bag of gold, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Yeah." laughs> and every time, Robert, you're my fucking <laughs> hero, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're every... my hero.
2: <laughs> It was, like, every time I bought a round, right? Because, you know, whatever, I'm, like, buying a couple rounds for people. amazing. Every time I tipped a bartender, I would just reach into my bag and pull out a handful of gold dollar coins and, like, sprinkle them on the bar. And at first, bartender's like, what the fuck? And then they'd look at me and they're like, oh, I get it. That's cool. Like, all right, all right. I, I totally get it. Like, it makes like, sense. this
3: would have been the most, like, kind of annoying jerk thing to do, except... <laughs> This dude's dressed like a freaking leprechaun on St. Patrick's yeah, Day. So, makes sense. so like
0: even, even like all right, <laughs> well, one so, day a year you can get away with right, it up, so being I'll an, an asshole. So, so, talk, <laughs> <right there. laughs>
3: so for context though, you gotta look at it this way.
4: <laughs> oh
0: god. St. Patrick's so
3: Day, we all work St. Patrick's good, Day. Cool. There's a lot of just, like it's it's bars busy, there's a lot of drunks, everyone's allowed. Uh, it's like Irish car bomb, shots of Jameson, like people are pounding Guinness left and right. Yes, As are. a bartender, it's not your easiest day.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, any normal day like that, a guy, a really loud dude, because like the part that gets omitted from the story is how loud this guy is. You're yeah, like, this whole okay, part, I get I get the whole loud, part right. going on. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime this loud guy comes in and starts ordering rounds for people, shouting at the top of his lungs, and then he tips you in coins, any other normal day, you're going to be a little annoyed, right? <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, fuck this guy, right? But... Uh, but this guy, is it's on St. Patrick's Day, and he's the most entertaining thing you've yeah. seen all day. You'll give him a pass. Oh, fuck, And that yeah. was the look on all of these, ble- <laughs> from the door guy, to the surfers, to the bartender. Everybody was just like, man, this is St. Patrick's Day in Hollywood in Los Angeles, and all the weirdos and crazies are out. But this guy takes the cake. So, <laughs> you know what? For, you know what? Because he wins, we'll give him a pass. Yeah, he can do what yeah. he wants. That's
0: a great story, man. That's a lot of fun. For, for those God. of you who don't have
5: pen and paper out already, rewind and take some fucking notes. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you throw a fucking party. That's how you do On it. On the move, like that's that's, how that's exactly how you do it. Because it might be dramatic and crazy for mm. everybody, but the people who are a little shy, and a little bit close you know, aren't all that open to it. They're mm. like. God damn, this motherfucker's going to town! Like <laughs> yeah. I can get a little weird too now. Yeah, yeah. I love that I'll shit, man. That's that. that's the exactly. way to get A, word of, warns, a good. word of
3: warning, though. So beautiful. That was a That was such an amazing time for that because that St. Patrick's still be ingrained in my memory for was a good forever. Time. But I have it Chris here forever too. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that boombox. Chris bought that boombox for that day. That that boombox didn't survive the day.
2: No, no it way. made it to the famous, and then uh, I don't happened, know what happened fall, to
3: it. Did it get stolen? It I don't know. Famous. It was also, also <laughs> by the way, this
2: boombox was bright blue. I don't yeah. know where you. I don't know where the fuck you bought this thing. It was a bright. <laughs> if they had a bright green, green one, I would have bought it. Or if they had a gold one, but yeah. that's Okay. Just well, a, did that it play uh, tapes, uh, CDs? What's what's going down? A uh, phone? I mean, it hooked it? up to an iPod, right? Okay. Like that's what, uh, they, like, that what you can main... hook an MP3 gotcha. player? That's gotcha. that's oh, the right. reason I got it. But yeah, um.
0: Dude, if I, you had a cassette tape in that damn thing. I would have <laughs> given you like ten extra points. That would have been
3: just so dope. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was short
2: lived. I had it for one day. I, I, also, did I, sorry, worth I, also,
3: I also lost my SIM card because I let you borrow it to coordinate.
2: Yeah, that's because I was in Vegas the night before. What's this? What's the SIM card? Oh man, it goes on the phone. It goes oh okay. The it
3: goes
0: oh the shit. Okay, I don't know what. Yeah. Okay, that was so There's whole, some. There's whole, some there's extended yeah, story. Yeah,
3: like that's a story for another time. But like. There's some there's a director's cut in that, that story. Was, that was quite a weekend. That was yeah, it was quite a, yeah, why it was did quite a weekend. did you take your sim
0: card out of your phone?
3: Because he lost his because he lost his phone. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because he lost the his mom, phone in Vegas the the weekend. Gotcha, before. gotcha. That's, yeah. why, that's why Well I, was I had my, my I had SIM my
2: card. SIM card. I lost the battery of my phone.
3: All oh, right, so like in I Vegas, so basically and I had no money. So basically, like I took my uh, my SIM card out so you could put his into my phone. So essentially, my phone then became his. Gotcha. I had my SIM card in my pocket, and it's a tiny little thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. At
3: some point yeah. in the evening, it just got lost, and I lost all that my contact happens. information. Fucking and Vegas, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> fucking oh, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that actually everything. happened. That actually happened oh, while we were that. on the pub crawl. Uh, Tris had lost all of his shit in Vegas the night before. So by the to, to provide context for it, oh, man. All right. this yeah. whole ridiculous story we just told, <laughs> the day before Chris was in Las Vegas, he barely managed to make it back to L.A. in time to do this nonsense. Whoop. What was the Hangover like? You uh, know,
2: okay. look, or... it's, a, it's it's it's
3: all rolling, huh? Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah,
2: it's a long, long story. But it, but twenty five year old me was like, yeah, I'll go to Vegas, and then the next day I'll lead a pub crawl on St. Patrick's Day. Yes. no problem. Makes What's sense. the worst that could happen? Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're twenty five, so you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Your body just yeah. kicks alcohol right. Yeah. That. Uh, fair, it, fair fair that's warning. that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other story. It, you know man i i i love and i hate vegas almost every single time leaving vegas i'm like oh. fuck you vegas yeah. like fuck you forever but then a couple months later somebody's like hey you want to go to vegas i'm like hell yeah let's do this <laughs> I'm like i'm in it's like it's it like an abusive 11. girlfriend. It's yeah. a lovey relationship. For <laughs> sure, man.
0: She's, She's only four hours away, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Like you guys, guys want to go get
1: weird for a weekend? <laughs> you guys aren't yeah. down to go right now. No, I'm not. Oh, dude, <laughs> I put I was that was on that. record.
0: I am not down to go to Vegas right now. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Got no, plenty I mean. of beer in the fridge. I, I, I'm down, but my
1: bank account says no. Ah, there you <laughs> go. I you wasn't down. I was just bluffing. Especially from Chicago. That was a solid bluff. Two dollar beers.
5: The whole time, Jesus, man. dude. $2 Vegas $2 is expensive now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Vegas like the is booze lot. in Vegas is yeah. expensive,
3: and they don't—they don't do free booze in some of the hotel and some of the it. casinos anymore. Here. And yeah.
0: not only that, but the cocktail servers, like the girls that are working the floor, they'll look at like if you're sitting on the um, on the fucking machine and you're sitting there just dropping in money, they'll look to see how many credits you have, and they can tell whether you threw in five bucks or if you threw in like fifty bucks. And if they see anything less than five, they'll say. You haven't even been playing very long, and they'll walk away. Like I've had that
1: experience where I'm like, "That fucking bitch! Like,
0: how dare you! Like, how dare
1: you! I put in my four dollars! Goddamn it! damn it!
0: Like I want my free drink! What if it money. was my last five dollars in my fucking pocket because I lost everything twenty minutes before you got there? You know yeah. what I
3: mean? Like you don't fucking know." Well, oh, I'll go on record and say that's what you get for playing slots.
0: I never play slots. <laughs> just kidding.
3: Just I did, that one, time. Like, I did that one time. Like this never happened. I know, right? I did that
0: one time. I uh, do. I've actually never gone and played um, like uh, poker, or I think I played blackjack once. Poker's fine. I, I went and played. I lost, and I was like, "All right, I'm good." Like I got the experience. Um, I played roulette a few times, but I really don't go to Vegas to play any gambling. To be honest with you, I just go because. Fucking gotta, you get to drink on the street. Gotta limit there's your number. There's a shit ton of food everywhere. Gotta
3: limit your number of vices, right? Yeah,
0: no, you do. You do. Are you, do guys, you? Are you guys much <laughs> of a gambler? Do you guys go and gamble in Vegas
2: or just more of like the drink or it's, eat? It's, it's more of a I've got my routine now. Okay. I've, I've figured it out. I, uh, there's there's three things I always do in Vegas. I always hit up nine fine Irishmen in the New York, New York because they have yeah. live Irish yep, music. Yep, 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 yep. Right? And he did say yep. he loves the Irish. Right? right. Yeah. Every, every night. Uh, I go to the Velveteen Rabbit, which is in, like, Old Town, but it's oh, one I'll of my favorite bars of oh, all time. Like, weird shit happens every time that I go there, but it's always entertaining. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, didn't we have, like, some kind of, like, prince from a small African country that went in there <laughs> last yeah, time yeah, when yeah, we yeah. were there? Right?
1: They had a great money we, opportunity dude, for you. Later. We actually, like...
2: <laughs> like
1: <laughs> dude, we
3: were... That actually was kind of funny. We were talking board games with the bartender. It was dead. This okay. dude rolls in... With like, yeah, this dude rolls in with like no less than eighteen women. He's, like, he's with like three of his buddies. people. He's yeah. with three of his buddies, and they're all like, they they. It's just those four guys, and then this guy is rolling in with like eighteen Vegas girls. And When I say Vegas girls, it's like you know they're in like the one piece dress the, the, and the, like, you know the,
4: yeah the, like the Vegas makeup, uniform,
3: you know, very loud and like yo. I- party. Like, about 18 of them. The bartenders looking at each other going like, well, this wasn't expected. And, and, and then they go it to work. It was a Monday night. Yeah. It was a Monday. Yeah, and, they, and they're, they're just at work. And, I okay, so most of the time, talking bartender stereotypes here for a second, most of the time, somebody rolls in and they have the, I want to be a baller attitude going huh. on. Most of the time, they have a certain attitude where they're very uncompromising. Who wants to be a compromising baller? It's kind of like a It's kind of like an oxymoron, oxymoron, but to this guy's credit, to this guy's credit, I've never seen somebody who's more like, I want to party at this spot, and I want to party the best I can, but I don't want to just like, I don't want to be a dick about it. He comes in, he's just like, Hey man, like I want to do like eleven shots, Patron. They're like, Oh, we don't have Patron. What's your best tequila? The bartender like recommends something to him. He's like, All right, give me twelve shots of that. One of them is for you. Oh, that was nice. I like him already. Yeah. Dude, and then like it, get, it gets it gets better it gets better from there. He's going round after round of tequila shots and and Jameson. And Jameson. Oh. He's going, he's doing round after what round of, of shots. He's doing round after round of shots and his party is getting one or two bigger during each round because he and his friends pull other people that are already at the bar into his group. It's hmm. like Dude, Yo, yeah, he just came, went around shit. with like yeah. trays Yo, of shots. Like he was just passing literally, out shots. Literally, of people. he they gave him that many shots on a tray, and if there was any left over cuz one of them refused it or like whatever, he would just walk around the rest of the bar passing them out to people. Before by the time we left, it was literally this guy's group and everybody else partying with this guy's group. It sounds like I, this guy should have been a bartender. Dude, I've never seen this guy. <laughs> I've, never seen, I've, I've never seen anything like that. Knows that like to host it. a party.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just... All right, so... What was that bill like?
4: Yeah, <laughs> holy shit.
3: Dude, is that the Sorry. Put, so that's the one thing that all those baller guys have in common. That's the one part that they're supposed to not care about is what right. the bill is. This guy legit didn't give a shit because he's just like, all right, I'm ordering all these shots. I, I ordered them for my group. Some of them don't want him. All right, some, who's drinking these shots? And he's just passing them out to everyone else at the bar. He's everyone's <laughs> friend that evening. I've never seen anything like it. He was the coolest guy. If you if you nice. ever want to be baller status, that's how you do it. Yeah, I can see uh, that. That's how you do it. Because like, I, I, I almost wanted to stay just to hang out with that guy's group more. <laughs> but we, we, were, we were like rolling around doing our normal Vegas thing. you got to yeah. be
5: that guy without the money. You, yeah. You can be that guy. Yeah, I man. That's, that's cool. absolutely – you just – just like fucking Chris did it. Like, sure, you pay for things here or there. You know, you help people out. Oh, I love that shit. Fuck it's so yeah, fucking dude. cool, man.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: like, sure. you really... People, fuck, are just, like, drawn to that shit. Yeah. I love it. I agree I 100%. Love 100%. It. Uh, speaking of Vegas, uh, would you guys... Uh, is there, like, a bar out there that you
2: guys like going to that has, like, craft cocktails? Like that's that's, that's what the, oh, what what that's that's the, the Valentina rabbit. Rabbit's
3: all about. That's yeah, uh,
2: I have not been there, but I've heard great things about Herbs and Rye, which is just off the strip. Um... Near like the the flamenco, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Herbs and rice basically. How would you good.
0: guys judge a craft bar? Like, okay, let's just say you walked into a craft bar that you know you've heard good things about. What's the first drink that you would order to judge them off of?
3: Old fashioned. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a good one. That's what I would do. I peruse their menu first. Okay. I want to. Is that really what you would do? Yeah. No. I mean, I just did this recently. Like, I found like a speakeasy near my told me about near my apartment. Damn. The the very first thing Uh I do is I look at their menu and I want to see what. Okay. So, what's on your menu is more or less like what you're advertising yourself to be, and I believe personally as in like having a nice balanced menu so that okay. it's like approachable for everybody but like Can you
0: please uh, describe what a balanced menu is? For okay, okay
3: so like um, you want to have something on the menu for everybody to kind of like you don't want to ex- you never want to like scare people away from your establishment okay. and that goes for even like you know sports bars or whatever like yeah, yeah, yeah. if I'm going into a sports bar I want there to be something on there that I'm going to want and I'm yeah, like a little yeah. bit more of a booze hound, a little bit more of an elitist so there's got to be something on there for me too mm-hmm. So every place should have something on there for every kind of patron when you walk in. So in the, in this speakeasy's place, like the one I, like I was telling you about this, they do a late night happy hour, where they have five dollar beers, and then they have five dollar glasses of wine, and they do five dollar well shots, which in this case was Buffalo Trace, and right now it's one hundred. Get the oh, fuck out of here! Late night Tough happy dirty hour. Tap me, man. Dude, oh. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. All, right. all right, buddy. That, all right. You you could you, but had, you said it's like an ounce and a quarter though right it, it, well it's yeah. an ounce and a half it's, a, it's, a half. it's an actual okay. shot it's not the, it's not the heavy two ounce pours <laughs> that we do but okay <laughs> I'm to get you drunk so you had me at five ounce like well shots yeah
4: five I had to ask yeah. the
3: bartender what their five well was well. <laughs> their well was Buffalo Trace and right down it's one hundred <laughs> for their whiskey so it here. completely like blew me away but the, I looked through trace. I look through their menu they have things like juniper syrup.
4: Okay,
3: oh, And yeah. uh, they have like a mezcal cocktail mm-hmm. on the main menu. They have, uh, they're garnishing their, what was it? It was, a uh, it was something, I forget the name of it. It was Judy's Garland. That was the name of their cocktail, mm-hmm. Judy's Garland.
0: Uh, do, you, it, do you remember the, uh, do you uh, remember the ingredients?
4: It in
3: the had, market? okay, so it had mm-hmm. a hibiscus syrup in it. It was gin, hibiscus, and they garnished it with sage. Oof. So like, okay. When I see stuff like that on a on a on a menu, like fresh ingredients, herbs that you like pick out of a garden or something, you're actually putting it on top of the and then also like there's other different like more technical things like they have amari's like advertised in their cocktail ingredients. Okay. Like, a ca- like I think somebody who's not familiar with craft cocktails doesn't even know
1: what, what an amari is.
3: Explain what, what is an amari, amari
1: actually? Because I'm not. Familiar. Well, that's
3: why I brought Chris, because Chris, well, <laughs> <laughs> Chris can explain this way better than I can. Plural for amaro.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. so, yeah. <laughs> so amari is a general category of spirits um, that basically. I mean to to, like summarize it. They are bittersweet Italian liqueurs. Okay, most amari are like made in Italy. They're like extremely popular in Italy, and they have been for I mean, hell, centuries. Um, But that's not. It's not a hard and fast rule. There are like liqueurs from. You know Switzerland and France, uh, you know, and and Germany. There's a ton, and and some that are made in these states now that would still fall under that category. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, uh, like the the amari category started with um, essentially like. A medicinal beverage that each village in Italy or each town would make. You would take uh, a variety of medicinal herbs and you would seep them in alcohol, and then you would add sugar to that. And so, like you know, as a way of preserving this little medicinal, um, you know, beverage, uh, and that would do everything from aid digestion to, I don't know, give you sexual potency. There's a ton of claims that they oh, made, wow, right? Like back when, you know, essentially... It was, it was you medieval
3: could, snake oil this Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like
2: snake oil, right? So that, so, you know, there was a strong tradition in each town um, of taking the herbs like that grew around and like, you know, that were considered medicinal uh, and seeping them in booze and adding, you know, like sugar to that. Uh, And some of them became more popular than others, and then, you know, you had, like, globalization and marketing and all of that. Um, But, you know, that tradition exists in lots of other, like, countries as well. Um, But, yeah, I think, like, they tend to start sweet. They tend to finish bitter. Uh, but there's a lot of variance amongst that. What's so,
0: the uh, what's the alcohol percentage in, like, of like they the vary, a yeah. lot like, between yeah. that 25 to 37. Well,
5: because or? you can argue what is technically falls under the umbrella of amari. So you could know? you please right. I,
0: I, okay? So g- give me an example of what you mean as far as like the umbrella, the, the umbrella of like the Mari spectrum. Like how, like what do you mean like as a far range as kind of, yeah? Thing like, of like, like how would you argue against it on what? Is considered an Amari but well,
5: it's not. I mean, if you look at the definition, it's kind of open for interpretation. Like mm-hmm. Bittersweet okay. is, I mean, varied, you know, everyone tastes that yeah, differently. Right? and
3: Aperol don't taste anything like Exactly. Want, and then you the have marrier. things like okay. fernet
5: and Amaro Montenegro and Nonino okay. or Amaro Foro, which is just like, tastes like really sweet,
0: concentrated. What is Amaro Foro? I've never heard
5: of that. I uh, another Italian one, but it's very orange forward, you know, oh, okay. you kind of pick and choose the highlights of these different, at least that's what I do to help remember them. To try to pick the highlights of the flavors that are in them uh, to the best of my ability. You I know? Did I hear you say fernet
1: is one as well? Or yes. No? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Fernet's are considered... So under the Amari umbrella, there's a few subcategories. Okay. Fernet is considered one of the subcategories. Not sure. um, they tend to be higher
3: proof than like most other amari. They tend
2: to be or... higher proof. They tend to have a flavor profile that highlights menthol, mint, eucalyptus, and... Um, mm-hmm. I think technically they need to include aloe uh, in there as well. Mm, Fernet Branca is interesting. It's probably the most popular Fernet. It's the the spirit that defines the Fernet category. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people will order like, yo, give me a shot of Fernet. And they mean Fernet Branca even though Branca is just a brand of Fernet. But uh, Fernet Branca has zero added sugar which is unusual for anything in the Amari category, it still tastes kind of sweet up front, it and that does, has to you know, be... It's actually that's, one of my
0: favorite um, Amaris, I'm assuming. Yeah, proper, yeah, properly. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorite Amaris of all of and them. And that's yeah.
2: only from the stuff they mm-hmm. seep in it. They don't add any sugar whatsoever. So um, where is that sweetness coming from? Um, I mean, all of these, like all of the ingredients are a very secret, very proprietary I blend. I mean, they, they do mm. not, there's like, like the family kind of a thing, right? What yeah, the there's family? like yeah. general guesses that can be made. and okay. uh, For example, I know for a fact that I, I'm not 100% sure on the exact percentage, but Fernet Branca uses 70% of the world's saffron production goes into Fernet Branca.
4: Oh, in particular.
2: They, in Damn. fact, they buy so much saffron that they dictate the price of saffron for the rest of the world annually. Shit. That's how much they buy. They're a bunch of bigwigs. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I had um, no idea. Yeah. Fun fact. Taking a step
3: back, these Amari have become one, if not probably the uh, big innovation in what's considered probably the modern breed uh, craft cocktails okay so back in the old days like you had things like vermouth mm-hmm. you had things like spirit you had things like fresh citrus and like fresh juice and all that the globalization like the globalization has allowed these amari which were traditionally just an italian mm-hmm. specialty uh they've kind of percolated through all of the craft cocktail scene mm-hmm. so that like if you Keep, like, let me ask you guys, Would you get, do you guys consider, like, a, a, a craft cocktail place, a craft cocktail place that they don't have, like, these Amaris, like, That's at least prominently displayed? Just, I swear
0: to God, I was just going to ask you guys that. I
3: think
5: that if a bar does have more than two Amari, then they probably can be considered a craft bar. But I don't think that the absence of them would make not necessarily make them a craft bar. Because mm. then you can get into different attitudes and mm-hmm. ideas. And maybe they're shooting for a certain idea. Yeah. But maybe like, they're you, a whiskey bar, right? Exactly, like, yeah. yeah. But I love the incorporation of vermouth and bitters and, and Amari. is like my right. latest addiction. Because yeah. 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 you can drink it on the rocks. You it's can cool drink it neat. Uh, you can mix it with something if you want. Yeah. You can put it in your tea. You know, It's great for just about anything. Small, yeah. like even even in my tea when i'm sick i put some bitters up in so, the sure. in there
3: i'm gonna i'm gonna hijack your podcast for a quick second cuz we're talking about these amari's and like if anybody's listening they're going to be all like okay well these these sound all good and everything but how can i use it well uh, we're all big whiskey drinkers and i think we all are big fans of this one particular cocktail it's considered a new classic mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken uh, it's called the paper plane mhm this cocktail uses a new to, classic, as in, like, as a new rendition of the original. No, uh, no, as in, like, it's become. It was. It was created, in the the modern yeah. age of craft cocktails. It's not 100 years old, like an old fashioned or a
2: Manhattan. The modern age. Can you yeah. give us a
0: time frame for those that don't
2: know? Like yes. After 1940s, yeah. the okay. most tops. I want to say paper plane. It was invented in the early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. Right? So I yeah, want to say pretty it's recent. early 2000s. Very recent. Okay. If you look in the PDT cocktail book, they have a short history of when the paper plane was created. I, I want to say it was like the early 2000s. Is there a particular 2000s. bar that,
0: like, is known for being the first bar to mm-hmm. actually create that?
3: Or is it... It's one of those ones that, that are... Is, sure is it up for debate? up for debate? A, was, uh, a mean, lot it, of these, uh, like, old... A lot of these, like, considered new classics, it's, like... Unless, like, you have, like... You can designate who wrote it first. Okay. Most of um, and actually most of these cocktails are like this. Like it's it's debatable who like started it. Okay. Some cocktails like the Ramos Gin Fizz for example, like we know who created that. Like he made his that was his thing. It was yeah, his name. he got famous. Like, it's yeah, in his name. Then, it's the Ramos Gin Fizz. It's the George like, Ramos Gin yeah, Fizz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, some of these cocktails, like, you know exactly where they came mm-hmm. from, but, like, do we really know where the old-fashioned, like, are, actually started? Oh, hell no. Thinking?
5: Especially when, you know, you talk about al- We're talking about alcohol here. These yeah. people are drinking yeah. alcohol. Right, you know what I mean? The, the written history is very yeah, right, <laughs> best. Yeah. You
2: know, it's not always on point. It's like, I'm the one that created this. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I mean, there's well, multiple the right. There's multiple like people like original Manhattans you know what I mean yeah. like like multiple people like multiple sources have claimed like, yeah, like we who, were the first to create like, the, I bet the, the Manhattan
3: first, I, bet, I bet the first guy that put like drive vermouth in a, in a Manhattan like everyone else is like you're an asshole yeah why would,
5: why would you well, do that you, you even before <laughs> the Manhattan you go back to the martini yeah. I mean, oh my God, you want to have an argument with a cocktail nerd, mm. bring up the martini and you always do that. What kind of
3: vermouth I you use I can already, already, already hear Chris right? in my head. He's like, it actually came from the Martinez. It was the <laughs> yeah. Martinez cocktail first. The <laughs> martini I mean, really, was a it lady. was
2: actually a first published as the kangaroo cocktail. First cocktail <laughs> writ- published, written <laughs> down, oh, <geez>. with dry <laughs> vermouth and vodka. Dry vermouth and vodka was called the kangaroo. Okay. I want to say it was the Savoy cocktail book in like you know like early 1900s no, like, and, and like, I don't want to cut you off but yeah, in the
0: original recipe was it uh, asked to be stirred or shaken or does <laughs> that mean? Is it stirred? stirred stirred okay yeah I mean there's a reason for that too it's,
5: you know for you the most to,
0: part you don't want to bruise it right well I mean the idea the, the idea like yeah you
5: mine. don't want to abuse it you got to treat a stirred drink yeah. with you know a, a gentle touch like a lady like a lady Mm-hmm. But shake, you know, shaken drinks. You want you want to incorporate citrus or dairy in some way. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you know, you I'd really have to emulsify in that. In well, like, well, I mean, you Mark had a whiskey market? sour. I mean, you well, could I argue mean, that's under the. Ca- I mean, not that's no, a good point, a sour is its own category. But but you could you could definitely argue that they everything stemmed from you know you could what's the um, the Adam and Eve uh, concept? Everything's all the cocktails stemmed from. Let's say like the Martinez
0: Martini. Was that the oh, was that the Kangaroo Martini? Was that what you were saying? Yeah. That's supposed to be like the original
2: Martini. Uh, um, that was the first. I mean, vodka did not vodka didn't exist in like when the in, during the the classic golden age of cocktails, right? Okay. So like early eighteen hundreds. Okay That's like, like the golden age Yeah, How, like, like 1820s well, well, 1830s until,
3: until prohibition prohibition was like the like 1940s either, right yeah that was when like the, that, 1920s. Was when the, that was when the age, that was when the golden age that was when the golden age died because so everything uh, so so basically what happened was you had um again a lot of the, everything to do with cocktails has to do with global trade okay you have people or have spirits that they made hundreds of years ago in their own culture, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, trade spurred greatly on by colonialism and like the British Empire and all that. They start introducing these spirits globally, or even in the case of the British Empire, uh, they were getting sources of booze that were were previously unavailable to them. So that's why the rum trade became such a big thing in the Caribbean because now you're producing sugarcane and molasses, and you're shipping that back to uh, to Britain. They've never had this before. Mm-hmm. It spikes the price up. Everything to do with cocktails comes from increasing advances in the globalization of trade. So you're able to introduce ingredients that you never had before into what was previously like, oh, you're sipping, like, you know, spirit, like, right by itself.
5: It was only what you could get, like, from yeah. your area. So, you know, you know, the United States in the early 1800s, it was rum. In Scotland, it was scotch. In Ireland, it was Irish whiskey. You know, it, it varied based on where you were. And once you were able to combine all of those things together and you got the Amari from from, you know, uh, Italy and and Spain, and you bring all that together, you have everything and you can combine and all of a sudden all these people are like, oh, okay, well, I was working with two or three ingredients. All of a sudden, I've got 50 to work with. It just
0: exploded. It blew up. So organically... And that the, happened in the
3: 1980s? Well, so, right? or, no. well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. So organically... Uh, as industrialization is picking up more and more of like what we're, what's n- modernly considered like the bar scene is picking up in like the, the 18th century okay. people are moving to cities and all that gotcha uh organically people were exploring cocktails for about a hundred years coming up with like little simple ones here and there like i'm sure the first person that put orange juice in his vodka thought he was a badass (laughs) but the that kind of call is a screwdriver that that kind of organic (laughs) that kind of organic innovation was already going on and so what we call the golden age of cocktails is from about the like early eighteen like hundreds. Early eighteen hundreds. Up until uh, yeah. up until when Prohibition put a big old fucking stamp on everything because now all of a sudden booze is illegal. Yeah. It completely it completely changed the game. Now we're talking about the states, right? Because the states well, are the only one that really well, this, enforced that. I mean, yeah. Well think well think about it for a, well, think about it for a second. The states is where like cocktails would really first be getting going because, you know, the rest of the world, like Europe and like Asia and everybody else, they have their own way of drinking that they've been embracing for hundreds of years. That's fair. The wonderful thing about... The giant melting The wonderful thing the about the, 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 thing the about United States, States. States yeah. is that you've got cultures from all over yeah, the world coming here. Sense. And the Scots are going to come here. They're still going to want to make Scotch. The Irish are going to come here. Get, damn it, they're bringing their fucking game, their, their Guinness and their Jameson with them. Like, these these oh, cultures well, she, are mixing in cities. And taught us to distill. Yeah. Mm. These, these cultures are mixing in cities... Like, Chicago became a big, like, uh, melting pot uh, for cocktails, as did New Orleans, for a big reason. This These are areas that are trade hubs. There's lots of different cultures mixing in with each other. I mean, New Orleans had, like, the French influence. There's a lot of brandy and cognac and everything else, but it also has a southern influence. you got, like, a, a lot of southern, like, things that are growing there, like sugarcane, but also fruits and all that stuff. So, um wherever you go when you're looking at things related to booze or even cooking, as a matter of fact, just to broaden mm-hmm. the spectrum, you got to look at where it's coming from and what grows in that area, mm-hmm. like what the trade looks like in that area. So the golden age of cocktails, what we consider, it goes up until Prohibition and then the second age and third age of cocktails comes after Prohibition. But Prohibition, like it was a, it if it didn't happen... There wouldn't be a new age of cocktails, it would just be one, like, long string of things that's uninterrupted.
5: Mm. Huh. But then we wouldn't have had the, you
1: know,
5: the lunch martinis and, you know, stuff like that, because after the the golden age of cocktails, and before Prohibition, you turn to things like bathtub gin, and people are dying, yeah, yeah I mean, the illicit yeah, trades yeah. was crazy, going from Canada and the Caribbean, was, it, it was like bonkers, man, yeah. and then after that, you know, you have a whole new generation of people who are drinking, and... Mm-hmm. You know, you just compare people to their parents and what their parents were drinking. They don't want to drink that anymore. So then mm-hmm. they—that's when the old fashioned, in my opinion, from what I've read, has turned turned from a what we like to drink up today is how we judge a bar into let's muddle a bunch of fruit and sugar into that's a glass. After prob- that's it, actually that's
3: afterwards, yeah. that because later. they wanted to dilute that well, a little that bit. Actually, that actually that reminds me of a really important wasn't. point. Um, during prohibition, uh, the quality of booze was dropped dramatically. Obviously, it's illegal. Yeah. So just like any illicit drug trade, what you're gonna get is people trying to maximize profits over something that's increasingly more difficult to get. Yeah. So back in the day, back before Prohibition, you'd be able to get really good whiskey, like really good quality booze, because you know, there's you're buying good stuff, but now you can't buy it legally anymore, so people are cutting it. They're introducing like foreign, like additives to it. In a lot of cases, it was poisonous. Like you'd be drinking stuff that would that was literally poisoning you. But that's what you could get because that's you'd have to go and get it illegally, no matter what you were doing. Anything
0: to catch a buzz, isn't that great? right? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> that's so crazy. So
3: actually, when we think about things like when we think about juice, juices okay. in general, strong flavors being in, that was actually a concept that really first got going and got popular during Prohibition because frankly speaking the booze tasted like shit so no one wanted to taste the booze because it was poisonous it didn't taste very good so they started adding a lot of like different juices to it anything they could to muddle the flavor and still get the effect so when you think about things like the screwdriver like or even like putting like a more modern example things like the fucking uh, long island iced tea or something like that or the fucking old fashioned yeah that all, yeah, that all stems from this notion that like oh i don't want to taste my booze yeah before Prohibition, that was, like, no one thought that. Like, the booze tasted good. Mm-hmm. You wanted to taste your booze. It wasn't until Prohibition came into the picture and muddled everything up yeah. that, like, all of a sudden people were like, oh, give me, like, a bunch of shit on top of my booze. And we we're still slowly kind of getting over that hump. Like, yeah. it's still it's still there for a lot of people. Like, college drinks are like that. That's where Chris got started. <laughs> Chris got started with, like, throwing, like, you know, fucking... Uh, frozen
2: lemonade into like... like how can I take this shitty Smirnoff or shitty plastic bottle of vodka and make it palatable yeah right yeah, that, but I don't drink
0: vodka
5: but as a white culture
2: that, <laughs> that would somewhere
0: phenomenon. yeah I get you I get you
2: yeah I man like that's a, that's a really
0: cra- uh, crazy concept especially with the whole like what you were saying earlier as far as what we judge a bar on which is the old-fashioned I mean it makes a lot of sense when you think about it as far as um, after the whole prohibition ended. Um, all we have, a, you have a lot of new drinkers because not everybody was breaking the law. Not everybody was going to those uh, those speakeasies where you know you order a drink and it's in the back of a laundromat or a fucking, I don't know. A basement. A,
5: basement.
1: a basement. We kind of fantasize that idea yeah, now. You do, but you got got do. You
2: really
5: do.
0: Like that.
2: But like, but, but yeah, back Those in, drinks so, were shit. Yeah, like, for sure. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they <laughs> were. Just like, let's oh, they were hella shit, If only man. we
0: can go back for a day and just check that
2: out, Dude, right? That'd be
5: really interesting. They also
0: introduced during this
4: time
3: was women in bars. That was a whole new fucking concept during Prohibition. Women were Weren't allowed in bars before that, mm-hmm. but now it's illegal. So it's like, hey, like if people aren't going to turn away someone who wants to spend what I what I assume is a gouged amount of money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. Also, so, the
5: time women yeah. are entering the workforce, World War II True. is going on, True. you know. So, we, we I, was no, talk, I was talking about War One. We're I'm I'm we're we're really right. quick, the whole reason why Prohibition even <laughs> became
0: <laughs> a main thing it was the whole like, movement that women started,
5: right?
4: As yeah. As far as, like, your husband's coming home. Yeah.
0: And then, like, you know, like, my husband's, uh, becomes really abusive when he drinks. Yeah. He beats on me. This isn't okay. Like, am I wrong on that, right? That's that, like, that, that was a big motivating That was the
3: big outcry of the temperance So movement, it was just kind of
0: right? funny that that happened, and then slowly but surely, they were like, well, if they're going to go out and drink, why can't we go to these fucking bars and drink, too? Well, well not all women you agreed mean? with that, either. I mean, it was kind really? Of a general, yeah, okay. of
5: course. I mean, there were plenty of women who would, you know, enjoy drinking. Mm-hmm. drink,
4: Fucking I imagine. Don't. Okay, so
0: real quick, I actually, I read a fun fact in the uh, in that uh, in the beer book that you let me borrow not too long ago. Uh, but the whole reason why uh, so canned beer was actually invented for men overseas and like like during war times and all that because it was easy to uh, to transport. Mm. And then when the war was over, they had all they have a fucking large inventory of canned beer and they couldn't figure out a way to really sell it because when a guy goes to a bar, most of the time he's getting draft. Am I right? Right. So. They were trying to figure out a market where they're like, where can we actually, you know, find a market to sell this beer? Women, stay-at-home moms, they, they don't go to bars. Why can't we sell canned beer to women to where, you know, like, oh, you can go in and buy a six-pack of beer, take it home so you can still drink, but you're not at a bar. And that was their main market to where they started like actually pushing that product and then slowly but surely it, it caught on and then it just became this giant fucking
3: it fits thing. in the fridge. Which, yeah. yeah. It just, because oh, like, you know, refrigerators became a thing. Oh, right back I in, say,
0: stuff, back yeah. in those Jeez. days, back in those days, who was doing the shopping, the grocery shopping? Women. So it just kind of made sense for them. And then they, these big beer companies were just pushing this product on the women, and they actually were making like these propaganda ads where it showed a house mom picking up a six-pack with groceries. And it was just like, it became a thing. So it was just really interesting on how like that kind of worked yeah, out.
3: It's, it's a far cry from the... Uh... Joe's six-pack days. That, like, <laughs> Joe six-pack that, like, it's nowadays, it's like when you think of a six-pack of canned beer, you think yeah. of like a dude. A dude, yeah. But, yeah it's, dude it's, with it's, a trucker hat and it, all it, those shit. It is funny how that's like It is, dude, but like that's that's how it
0: started, man. That's okay. really, really crazy. I mean, I'm not saying that the, the concept of the idea of putting a beer in a can started from that, but it did start with we have a lot of canned beer that we don't know what to do with. We got to sell it somehow. Okay, great. Let's just go ahead and market towards, you know, housewives. And that's what ended up happening it's really interesting. I don't know. I think that's kind of crazy. But uh, but going back to what I was at, uh, the, the point that I was trying to make earlier, um, as far as um, uh, the whole like after the prohibition was lifted and like people were allowed to go to, uh, to bars and all that, do you think that's why the old fashioned kind of got watered down? Because you have a lot of new age drinkers who didn't go to speakeasies before and they were new to the whole scene of drinking as far as like the taste of alcohol. That they're like, yo, can you muddle in some orange and a cherry, and then top it off with some soda water for me? Probably, or, but
5: I think I think it follows trends just the same way fashion does, you know, or, like, or any any trend. Yeah.
0: Because I just don't see how a recipe gets modified so much because it started off because like the way I like my old fashioned is the, uh, the 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 pre provision way, yeah. which is like whiskey, bitters, a little bit of fucking sugar, ice, stir it, I'm good. Give me give me an, uh, an orange zest at most, but that's it. Like I don't want anything else. You know what I mean? And, uh, somehow that transformed into, cause when I first learned the recipe of the old fashioned, you guys are going to cringe hearing this, especially cause you guys are a bunch of cocktail nerds. Um, it was at the, at the Olive Garden. So you, I'm sure you see where I'm getting at. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. There was no bitters. There was an orange rind, a whole fucking orange, a wedge. I'm sorry. A muddled cherry. You muddle it. You throw in a packet of sugar. You throw in your well bourbon. You stir it. You top it off with a, an ounce of soda water. <sighs> Enjoy. There was no bitters at all. Can well, I, I
3: ask what was your well bourbon?
5: I, I would it was, say it was Evan Williams No I'm pretty sure it, it was Jack Jack Maybe it was Yeah uh, We Jack,
0: didn't Jack. have a bourbon. Jack was I think I think your it was, bourbon. Jim. it was our well whiskey I think it Or was maybe it was Jim. Jim B I think it was Jim
3: yeah. And how much but, were you selling That monstrosity for? <laughs> Eight dollars or something <laughs> bucks, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, nine bucks. Yeah But here's the thing man I got Okay so really quick Don't judge me gentlemen But <laughs> I got I got I got conditioned to like To liking that old fashioned That way so it got to a point where I met this gentleman here. I met Matt Laskowski, another uh, another mutual friend of ours. Shout out. Who he was like, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy our own little bottle of, of, of Angostura bitters. And I'm going to hide it in the furthest end of this of this cabinet. So anytime you want to make yourself an old-fashioned, try it this way. I got curious one day decided to make myself an old-fashioned the way that he was saying to make it. And I, immediately I fucking loved it. Immediately I was like, this just – I mean, again, it wasn't as if – I'll be honest with you, I wasn't a big fan of the taste of, of heavy of heavy bourbon so I would still add a little bit more sugar than you're supposed to. but I would still like that bitter taste. like the adding the bitters did add a different element to it. It's like um, I've, I've read that adding bitters to a drink is equivalent to a chef adding salt and pepper to his food. Like it's a little bit of a spice, a little bit of like mm-hmm. an extra ingredient to oh. kind of bring up that level. and I agree 100%. So it's like it was for me it was like eating a steak without adding anything to it, which is fucking great. And then I had that same steak, but I added a little bit of salt and pepper to it. And I was like, oh my God, I've been missing out. And that, that was that moment for me where I realized there's a whole new element to this bartending game that I really didn't even know about. I yeah. really didn't. And it started with the old-fashioned. It did.
5: Well, and when you think about drinking as trends, I mean, you think about what did your parents and grandparents
0: drink? Anybody? Beer. Mainly well, beer. Anything that's specific? Was, I, again, Dude, my I, my uh, ancestors come from Mexico. Like, my mom's from Mexico. So anytime it was any hard spirit, it was just like a, a reposado tequila. And yeah. they would just take shots of it, or a margarita at most. Okay. But a margarita in my household is, let's go buy a bottle of pre-mixed the margarita. Swiss, uh, no, know, the yeah. and then it, just tequila, a little bit of the margarita mix, and a splash of a fucking squirt to kind of give it that carbonation. Yeah, I wish they could it. It's yeah. like, Anybody that's else? not Anybody even... know something? what their <laughs> parents, <laughs>
5: grandparents drank? Because I can
0: tell I it's you, it's embarrassing. Like, I mean, my grandfather would drink
5: Dewar's White Label or, or, uh, or Bacardi at noon every day. You know, like that's just what they drink, and that sounds horrible to me. Uh-huh. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. I, yeah. I don't think you like to drink uh, Jose Cuervo margarita mix or, I do or not. Any, any of those. <laughs> do not. You know, that just goes to show you that generationally our tastes change mm-hmm. and we want different things, and we just happen to be in the peak period of the second coming of cocktail. Well, it's,
3: it's not just what? that, too. Like, uh, so back in the day, Budweiser didn't cut their beer with what do they cut it with now? Rice? No,
2: one. it's beachwood aged. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So Miller Miller uses corn as okay. an adjunct. Uh, Budweiser does Budweiser not use rice. does. They use rice. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know what freedom. Coors use. No, no. because no. it's only it's additional, and it actually says they have on the can. And and oh, okay, and with ad, yeah. with addition of adjunct, yeah. which is uh, rice. So it's kind of like a,
5: so a cheap nice word. Adjunct is a nice word to say, like a cheap ingredient. Gotcha, or like yeah. a, a less desirable ingredient. I suppose. Right. Because Do you know what
2: Coors does to theirs? I think it's
5: uh, are You about to tell me?
2: No, I don't know. Oh, I, I know not... Miller does <laughs> corn, right? Like, you smell Miller High Life? It's, it smells like fucking corn syrup. It does. No, fuck it. Right? That, like, it's... Miller uses corn oh. as an adjunct. Oh, it is. It's champagne and beers, bro. But, by, <laughs> yeah. Sh- champagne and corn syrups. <laughs> uh, like, uh, Budweiser definitely uses rice. Yeah. I, feel, I, I don't remember what Miller does. Mm. Wow. But, yeah, it's just a cheaper... So, going, going back
3: to the whole trends thing... Um, the more and more I look into the study of booze and, like, what people drink, the more and more I look at economics. Like, my dad was into economics. Like, I just think, I see things economically. Um, right around the same trend that's followed American-made products. I'm talking just about the States here. Okay. Uh, back in the day, you bought a fridge. You didn't buy another one. That fridge lasted forever. It was it was made to last forever. Now you buy. Now you. I'm, I'm gonna i I'm bash Sears for a second. Cause I used to work there. You buy you buy a Kenmore fridge. Fuck you, Sears. You buy a Kenmore fridge. That thing is good for five years at most. Jesus. And it's going to start needing maintenance within two years, and they don't even do like maintenance service for Mm -hmm. it anymore. You just, they're just trying to get you to buy a new one. The whole idea of like obsolescence or ingrained obsolescence has become such a big thing of like the way that we do business now. It's Mm -hmm.
2: part of capitalism. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's they're using cheaper parts. The point is like they try to drive down the cost and increase the profitability. They don't want anything to last forever. I mean, mean, think of cell phones. You have like a different version coming out every year and a half, two years. Right. Booze is the same, has the same concepts going into it. So back, like, all right, so I'll, I'll put this to Chris for a second. You found an old bottle or an old recipe of
2: old granddad? Yeah, like, I have a... How did I, you
0: find that, first off?
2: Uh, there was a whiskey collector that uh, sat at my bar when I worked at Wooden Vine, and I got him nice and drunk, and he was like, hey, this is what I do. I have some bottles of Old Grandad from before Jim Bean bought their company and changed uh-huh. the recipe. He's like, I normally sell it for 120 but I'll give it to you at 80 a bottle, and I was like, sold. I'll take two. Yeah. Uh, so I bought that, and um, it's old, like, you know, because he basically just, like, hunted these bottles down, these really old bottles of Old Grandad 86-proof, uh-huh. uh, uh, now the, the modern right bonded right? is amazing What? Did you open it up right away? Yeah, so I have two. I have two bottles. One that I'm keeping sealed. I'm going to resell it and then one for drinking. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing whiskey. Really? Like and, and the thing is, is that, Andrew, your dad laughed at me when he saw that bottle, right? I brought yeah. it in as something special, and he laughed at me, and he's like, wow, that's like what my, my dad and my uncle his, drank. His uncle used to yeah, drink. Yeah, his uncle used to drink that. Like, that was their, every, their cheap it, bourbon. It was their
3: cheap bourbon, which is what I'm getting at, because it's like, okay, so this stuff, which is now considered a collector's item because it's the original recipe that was so good, mm-hmm. back in the day, that was the cheap stuff. Imagine what the good stuff tasted like. <laughs>
4: mm.
3: I, cause in my own time, in my own experience, I remember the first time I was at the tea house, shout out to one of my friends, they were having a party there, and this one dude there, he was. He noticed I didn't like most of the booze they had there. He's like, you're a, you're a whiskey drinker, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, there's no whiskey here. I've got whiskey. He brings out a small bottle of Maker's Mark. Mm.
0: This is the first time I ever tried Maker's Mark at the time? It
3: was the first time I ever tried Maker's Mark, but then I come to learn not two years after i had that bottle their recipe was different because makers mark had made a name for itself It had gotten so big they couldn't keep producing to make to meet demand so they started cutting they started cutting their product their proof was even different mm-hmm. they changed their product because they had become such a big name they couldn't keep their recipe Keep producing it the way that they were producing it, and keep up with demand. Yeah. It's it's simple economics, and people were still buying it because they had the name on it. So why would you keep using uh-huh. the same recipe? You know, it's 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 just very simple supply demand economics. But the first time I had Maker's Mark, I understand now why Maker's Mark is a name. I will forever for understand understand why Maker's Mark is a name. It was one of the first times in college I ever had just whiskey with ice. And even then, with ice, yeah. Like yeah. I know, I was I was a young, I was a young blood. No, 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 no. Hey, you like to drink yeah. it, yeah. dude? It was it was the it was some of the best whiskey on ice i have ever had. What's wrong with ice? It was some of the best whiskey I ever had, and like I these days, like I will drink Maker's Mark if it's all they have. Yeah. If it if it's if it's the only bourbon on there that like isn't Jim Beam, uh-huh. I'll drink it. But. Otherwise, like, there's so many better alternatives, but that's just how it happens, is that, like, you make a name for yourself, everyone wants your stuff, the way that whiskey's made, you can't keep up with that kind of demand, yeah. you have to start cutting it.
1: I well, got a, a quick random question for, because I'm clearly in a different level of drinking than you guys are, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, much lower level, in terms of knowledge, uh, much higher volume. But either way, <laughs> uh, this guy can put away beer though. Yeah. I'll tell you that no right IPAs, now. though. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working yeah. towards okay. it. He
0: likes the wolf pup from a uh, golden rose uh, there,
1: There's been some that? other things there, you know, three weavers I've tried. I mean, I'm, oh, that's right. i I've, I've, I'm working, I'm working Chate my way up. Yeah. But, uh, my, I, my, my question it, is, 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 is twofold. Uh, I've been wanting to ask, uh, one, what is your guy? As all of you guys are bartenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, one, your signature cocktail that you guys make that is, like, what you feel is your best drink that you make? And, two, what is your favorite uh, spirit to drink, period? Like, your favorite liqueur? Because you're talking about Maker's Mark being the original. So, I'm talking
0: about not, not just the spirit, but the brand that makes that particular spirit? Because there's, like, a shit ton of bourbons.
1: And yeah, like, not just be like, oh, I like bourbon. But, like, yeah, specifically, yeah. like, what is yeah, your... Yeah. If gotcha. you were to recommend, like, one bottle for for the listeners to go out and get and be like, listen, if you want to try the bombest shit on this side of the Mississippi and that side... By this particular alcohol
2: And we'll take or it one spirit. step
0: further. On top of that note, no. explain why can't, can't you can't pick one. I, I mean, I
2: dude, I, you have I, to. I, I, know I can pick a handful in a have couple have categories. I can't. I can't. If you have to We're pick
0: give you just guys one, three each. how about how about three each? Since I yeah. mean,
1: I'd love to just hear one though. Okay, I really
3: doesn't. Because th- I can't. I can't do just one. I'll give you two. I'll give you two.
0: Two. You okay with two, Rob?
3: I can yeah. it. yeah.
1: see who it is. sounds like torture. Yeah, all right. right, all right. I'm like right. excluding uh, so much. I'll take, uh, I'll, know, I'll, right. take
3: it, I'll take it first so that Chris can have some time to think. Uh, uh. This, this, uh, the second part is an easy question for me to me answer. The first one, not so much. The second question is easy to answer. Uh, both of these are still widely available, and I still highly recommend both Recommend both of them. The first whiskey I ever really fell in love with was Jameson 18-year. Okay. I'm now, at the time, I didn't know what the difference between a blended and like single malts and all that, mm-hmm. or the subtleties behind all of it. I knew I loved Jameson, and then like, we found Jameson 18 year for 12 bucks at Thirsty Crow, because it was mislabeled. Yeah. So yeah. I or- so I ordered that. <laughs> i all taking advantage of that. So I ordered that. I ordered that shit, and I was going to order it on ice, and the bartender told me no. <laughs> she told me. This is mislabeled. You're already getting it for cheaper than it's supposed to be. Have it by itself. I'll give you Islay if you need, if you want it. That stuff tastes like straight vanilla. It like it's such an easy, oh, but to it, to my current palate, it's almost too sweet. Mm-hmm. But it's a very sweet, easy whiskey, and you can find it almost anywhere. It's about ninety bucks a bottle. It's expensive, okay. but it was it was one of the first whiskeys I ever fell in love with. My current craze, like if I'm gonna have to pick one whiskey out of all the ones that I know, because it is whiskey. You know, general umbrella whiskey. That's what I drink. Sure. Uh, it's going to be Balvenie 14 year Caribbean cask mm. again.
1: So this is why I wanted to ask this question because I'm, I'm going to be hearing some, some, sure. some shit that I've never yeah, heard of before. Again. Exactly. Uh, I'm, right I'm right going to be like, like writing this yeah. shit down. Like
3: <laughs> again, it's a it's a sweeter it's Holy a sweeter scot it's a sweeter scotch. It's got molasses on on the finish. We could get into it if we wanted to. Like we don't have time because yeah. it would take a whole podcast by itself. Um, <laughs> Balvenie uses a two-step aging process, and their second age is going to... On this one is molasses barrels that's originally used for rum. So you get that rum flavor on the top of it. It's it's, it's aged 14 years in oak, or most, like, about 13, point, 13 and a half years in oak. Okay. It's delicious. And and that and actually, for how good it is, it's actually moderately priced. It's about $85 a bottle. Not that bad. No, it's not, not bad. that bad at all. Like I mean, We drank, we drank that well, when we went to Vegas together. It was awesome. Up. Right. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Like... Both of these whiskeys. on Both shit? of these whiskeys. If you shoot these whiskeys, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you're just missing out, man. Yeah. You're just, you're just missing yeah. out. Sip yeah. that shit by a pool that's. a cigar. You're an asshole. That's missing out. So what's what's your drink? The drink. Did you already mention that one?
1: You said that was gonna be tougher to answer.
3: Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick, I can't really pick one cocktail. Or right, I'll give you the politically correct answer. My favorite cocktail to make is the perfect cocktail for the customer. Oh, Whatever the customer exactly
2: wants saw. is the one I want to make. stole so my answer. The defender
1: of fun, right? Yeah, yeah, right? What is it?
2: Defender of a good time. That's but what it I, is, I've, been, right? I've
3: been working on my whiskey what sours. I've been working on my whiskey sours. I, I, I think I make a world-class whiskey sour now. All right. I'm going to walk that in. Mr. Roadhouse.
1: Uh, uh, First part. Uh, top, top two, two spirits.
5: Oh, top two spirits?
3: Well, was uh, the second part, technically. Oh. But that's easy But to it either or That's either tough works. Because no, I, no I will preference. drink
5: Anything but I mean I'll even drink Five card on occasion But like If I had to choose a spirit Probably whiskey Maybe like gin the
0: umbrella Would be the whiskey
5: it right? would be, yeah, Or uh, gin a Gin's pretty fucking good I'm still too, your man, favorite. If,
1: Say, Put it this way If you were on an island And you were like Fuck whiskey. man This is my last <laughs> bottle That I'm probably I mean, I'm probably gonna die Last two bottles This is the last two The last uh, two bottles That I to The largest
2: ones <laughs> 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 Like, what comes in a handle? Yes! Like, sir. <laughs> yes sir. Chris Robin, awesome. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, cheers, I, like yeah I was
1: gonna say, out. that's a
4: cheers moment.
1: <laughs> that was fucking good, dude. Cheers. That was good. That was good. That was only bring was good. That was
5: <laughs> I really, I really enjoy yeah, Green Spot and Yellow Spot. Those are two of my favorite whiskeys. Yeah, awesome. Oh them. man, they're delicious. They, have, they have, them have them at Boneyard. Boneyard. Okay. Uh they have both of them, just amazing. But as far as like I, the Yellow Spot gets kind of expensive, and if we're talking about who American whiskey,
0: who makes the, this?
5: Uh, it's an uh,
2: Irish uh, Irish whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, so they
5: they used to denote the age of it based on the color. They would just take a paintbrush and just yeah, oh no, ours, paintbrush or, is paint. You're I'm
2: right pretty right. sure
5: it was paint. paint, and they would just. Put it on the, make it just a blob on the barrel, and that's where where the name name came
2: from. And the yellow
5: spot's a little bit older. Um, I think they make like a red spot or
3: something too. Oh, do
5: they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have another color. Gotta
2: get me some of that.
5: Yeah. Memory is tough. Green, uh,
3: yellow, red, stop when you get to red yeah. Oh! Can't <laughs> <laughs> better than
2: that. quit yeah. <laughs> 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 now. Like, you're done. That'd be amazing. If they don't already do that, they then, definitely should they definitely write should. that, should that shit down. That's, that's good.
5: Um, but I really, you know, I mean, as far as bourbon goes, uh, Weller is probably one of my favorites. I'm a little particular mean, to the sweeter, so the Weller I'm 12 year. You mm. can find that, if you can find it, $30 a bottle, and that's 12 year old Pappy. Like Pappy Van Winkle. You that's that blind, Yeah, and it's just yeah. labeled differently. Ish. Organized differently. It's similar. In it's Iraq. similar. It's very close. Yeah. It's, it's very close. As close as you can get. I, I think. I but For $30 a bottle, there's no oh, fucking shit. way. I don't yeah. think you can find yeah. that for
3: 30 bucks a bottle anymore. Uh, you'd
5: be surprised. There's a couple of Instagram pages and podcasts you guys should check out that people post, like, will send in pictures. And one guy posted, he picked up uh, uh, six bottles of W.L. Weller for... For like twenty four dollars each. Oh
2: my uh, god!
5: And he was Fucking like, I left there. three Fuck there it. because I didn't want to take them all. But I take <laughs> six. You selfish motherfucker! Yeah, right. Um, that one's great. Four Roses single barrels is definitely mm-hmm. one of my favorites yeah. too. Again, yeah, a little on the sweeter side, just but took my spirit. Uh, Sonoma mm-hmm. rye. They they come out of Sonoma County. They make a great one hundred percent rye whiskey, which is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Pot distilled. But you can get first. into Scotch, and then you get like Lagavulin, and if you if you break Scotland down based so on a region, PPT, I just can't right. choose one, man. <laughs> I know, yeah, I was gonna say It's hard. I, I love I, it, I it all. To, you a a brush though, brush there's there. a vodka that's that's filtered through a, a naked woman's body over a naked woman's body. Every bottle. Yeah, but fuck really? that.
1: Really? Like a different woman or the same uh, woman? The same woman.
2: Now fuck that. I'm we pretty sure they went out of business. I mean, maybe the
1: first.
3: Yeah, I was like maybe the first. one. Does it actually
2: exist? It does exist. Those yeah, there's a few yeah. spirits that like basically ran over a naked woman's body before yeah. they got bottled.
1: Stupid That's as a fuck. real, yeah. I was like, That's that seems so unsanitary. Does, does, so I
4: imagine, does, does like, do, in my you mind, know about this? could
1: like,
0: survive in that fucking bottle full of uh, alcohol. So I mean,
5: Boy, it's not that make a deal. And yeah, it's not like uh, it's running down her whole body. They, she probably puts
3: her hand out.
5: Yes. Yeah, I it just over like Pinky. Yeah, yeah, just like all right,
0: Yeah, I don't want
3: to get too still, dirty, guys. Still it, she's not still even counts. naked. It's like uh, Jessica Alba in Sin City, where
1: they like CGI
3: remove her clothes. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh,
1: right. <laughs> so what's exactly. up? Uh, what, well,
0: what's your
3: cocktail?
1: What's what do you know? what will be like somebody comes in. They're like, "Hey, buddy, I don't care what I have. I want your best drink. I want the drink that you make the best." I mean, Something granted, we have the proper
5: ice. I would say an old fashioned.
1: Fair enough. But again, that's just what I drink.
5: I think that's a great testament to your bartender I agree.
4: and that's his kinda... ability
5: to make a good drink. You know, and it's not hard to do either. It's not incredibly difficult. It's not like a Vesper where you could argue or the Martinez or a Martini where you could argue the ingredients or Manhattan. And Old Fashioned is pretty fucking straightforward. It's either bourbon. It's booze, bitters, sugar, and water. That's it. All right. That's all you need. Uh, aroma.
2: Aromatic garnish There's that part too.
5: Granted, yeah, but, uh, you know, and that's fair, and, like, I tend to put an orange and a lemon in my old-fashioned, just kind of the way I was taught to, but if I have limited supplies, I'll base it on the base, so if it's bourbon, I'll use an orange, if it's rye, I'll use a lemon, and I think I might have picked that up from you.
2: Yeah, probably.
5: When you were training, this guy trained me in how to fucking <laughs> make drinks. Nice.
4: What,
5: about what
2: about you, Mr. So are, are we starting of... with the spirit, or we with spirit. the cocktail?
0: Whichever, whichever one that you have an answer for.
2: Man, okay, so neither of them. <laughs> it's hard. It's really, it's really hard because I would say that, man, my favorite thing to drink, if I could only drink one thing forever, would be sweet vermouth. Oh shit! Uh, I was Alessio, not that. okay. Alessio Kinato. Right <laughs> all right, so Alessio, all right, Alessio Brand, uh, and their. Um, their quinato, uh, sweet vermouth. That, on ice, for the rest of my life, I would drink that. On an island? That's that's can, your... Can that's you describe it. the taste for the listeners that have never uh, had So, rem- alright, so, sweet vermouth is, um... Everyone's had whiskey. I mean, it's a bit of an amorphous category, but it's essentially, like, fortified, uh, and sweetened, uh, wine with aromatics in there. And, um, Alessio... Alessio, their kinato in particular is on the like the more bitter side, mm-hmm. um, and I mean kinato means chincona. It means there's chincona bark. Chincona bark is um, a South American bark that's the original source of quinine, the same bittering agent that's Great in tonic. <laughs> like that quinine, that that bitter comes from chincona bark. Uh, kinato means you know, Cincona flavored in Italian. Uh so Alessio, their brand, like they make two different vermouths, both fantastic, but the Kinatta one is more bitter. Um it's so rich, it's so deep. Like what I love about Sweet Vermouth is it's got everything, right? Like Vermouth, like Sweet Vermouth has everything. It's got your sweetener, it's got your booze, it's got your bitter, and it's got so much other flavor going on there. Like it's everything that I want wrapped into one bottle, right? It's like a pure bottled, like, that's what I want, like, it. It, everything yeah. in my cocktail. So that and, that's my favorite. Gotcha. And you said you would drink that on ice? That's it? No, yeah, that else. ice for the rest of my life if I had to. Did, now, you, ha- did you have a second one? Or I mean, uh, I have a deep love for bourbon and rye um a deep deep love of that and but like yeah so so my answers are like it, i'm kind of answering two questions i'm answering like what would i drink for the rest of my life if i could only drink one thing and that would be sweet vermouth and that's because it covers all my bases but in terms of like the spirit that i love the most um man it's a it's a real like neck and neck toss-up between bourbon and rye whiskey for uh the listeners out there that do not know the difference would you mind explaining oh like, yeah. the difference between bourbon and a rye sure so quick and dirty version um, all right, quick and dirty version. So bourbon needs to be in the mash bill, right? So any whiskey is made with a grain base, one of the, the cereal grains, uh, and then you turn those grains like or mix your grains into beer, and then you distill that. So any distillate made from grain is a whiskey, okay? So within that category, um, a bourbon – whiskey is made from a minimum of 51% corn in the mash bill and the mash bill is just like the combination of all of the grains that are used to make the beer right the like you know distiller's beer that you then distill into like making alcohol and then you age it so bourbon is minimum 51% corn by volume and it's supposed to be it's usually more uh rye is minimum 51% rye um there are a lot of of additional like rules depending on if it says straight rye or straight bourbon. Uh, I think it's quite arguable to say that straight bourbon whiskey. If you see straight bourbon whiskey on a label, or straight rye whiskey on a label, that is the most that is the strictest like spirit category worldwide. Hmm. Right, it's even stricter than single malt Scotch, and that's because single malt Scotch you can legally add caramel coloring to it. But if you see straight bourbon or straight rye, then it means you can only add water. Right, that's it. Straight bourbon needs to be aged in first you like like you know or sorry, it needs to be aged in um, new, tar- new charred American oak, mm-hmm. um, and same with straight rye. Uh, So it can can not have used that cask for anything else, Uh, just new charred American oak for both. Um, There's a few additional rules. Um, If it says, again, straight bourbon, straight rye, then it means, I I, want to say, if it's aged less than three years, you need to have... The are you sure less than four years the, the then you statement need the, the has di- to be on the bottle okay. but
5: it has to be a minimum of two years in order to have straight on the bottle as bottom. far as uh, they uh,
0: two years in the barrel two years in
2: the barrel, in the
5: and, barrel. and there's also an uh, uh, alcohol by volume percentage that they have gotcha. to right cannot
2: exceed you cannot distill it above something. like a certain percentage before like 90, it goes in the barrel yeah, like and you can't, it ah. you can't bottle it under 40% you can't bottle it under 40% ADV and you can't distill it to oh god I want to say it's like 160 ish like, uh, proof, so you can't distill it above 80% ABV before it goes in the barrel. I think it's 92.4. Really? I'm just reading the other day, Okay, I could be wrong. It's 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 something like that, though. It's been a minute since I looked it up. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of ways, straight bourbon, straight rye are the strictest, like, rules for a spirit worldwide. Um, if it just says bourbon or just says rye, then it's a lot less strict. There are no age restrictions, Um, it does have to be made, done in new charred American oak, but it can be aged for, there are things that are aged for as little as like a couple months that are called bourbon whiskey.
5: Technically, I mean, it was funny because the different books you read or different people you talk to will say like, make different jokes. Like you could take a wooden cup and swirl it around and dump it out. And then technically it's a bourbon by definition. If it's put in a, if the cup you have is a new charred American Mm -hmm. oak, you know, like you can you can get away with silly things like that. Really? Oh yeah, that's interesting. And then
2: there's I mean then you get into Tennessee and you know yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee was styles. a yeah. new yeah. category created by or well championed by the Jack Daniel's label. Yeah. Yeah. Although there are a couple that fall into that category as well that
5: yeah. aren't necessarily. Which are what exactly. I don't know the brand names, but there's a couple that are allowed exception. Very few. It's gotcha. like one or two brands that are allowed exception. But generally, the only two brands that make a Tennessee whiskey are uh, George Dickel. And Jack Daniels. The Dickle. Yeah. yeah. The Dickel um, Rice, Evan Williams, too. Yeah, like Do you have a Tennessee?
2: <laughs> I mean, okay, so Tennessee, when it, when you see Tennessee whiskey, Evan a label, Williams is part of Tennessee as well. They're very similar. They use the same Lincoln County process. Okay, so this was very recent, but Jack Daniels like pushed through this legislation where Tennessee whiskey became its own category. Now, Tennessee whiskey is everything that a bourbon is. Okay, so it follows all the strictures of bourbon. Plus, that distillate needs to be like go through the Lincoln County process. And the Lincoln County process means that that distillate has to be filtered through sugar maple charcoal. So that's Mm. sugar maple wood made into charcoal used as a filtering agent for the distillate. Um, Sugar maple charcoal distillation, so the Lincoln County process. Imparts additional sweetness mm-hmm. and a smoothness and a roundness. It's supposed to eliminate all the impurities of the spirit as well, right? Like that, it, uh, At least Jack
0: Daniels it, it, claims that it takes out all the impurities and gives you the hangover, right? Like uh, all the, the that oil seems oil like a lot of
2: marketing to me. 100%. I mean, I mean this it, is what it, I read off of It the, just uh, gives it flavor.
4: It does, though. It, right? it gives but,
2: it flavor. It does, I mean, look, you know, charcoal is mostly carbon. Carbon is a great mm. filtering agent and rem- it does remove a lot of impurities. Very true. What counts as an impurity and what counts as something that adds flavor is Mm -hmm. very much just up to the brand and the distiller, you know, the master distiller. Or the consumer. Right. You know, like, if you want to take out all of the impurities, you're going to end up with something that's 100% alcohol, 100% ethanol. That's something with zero impurities. Right? That's also boring as fuck. Right? You know what I mean? You
3: you also can't drink that because it'll burn your throat. Yeah, it'll probably kill you. You
2: end up with pure... You end up with 100% pure ethanol. That's something that has zero impurities to it, okay? Sure. So you need some things that could count as impurities that are also – they add flavor. They add – they make it interesting. They add character, right? Mm-hmm. So what counts as an impurity and what counts as something that adds flavor is up for interpretation. I see. Right? I
5: see. Um. see. Cogners. Cogners? They call yeah, the, uh, the yeah. flavors in a. I can't think of how to spell. This. Yeah, it, but, yeah, but
2: yeah, and then you have like polyphenols and and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different things mm-hmm. and like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of like leeway. There's a lot of room for interpretation and there. This is the Tennessee
0: way of making their
2: whiskey, right? Where they they, they filter it through that charcoal. The, yeah, uh, sugar the char-
0: maple charcoal. Sh- sugar ma- maple charcoal. And is there? Uh, is it like 14 feet deep or something like that? Right? 10. Or is that is that just Jack Daniels that does that? I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's 10 Is it 10? Okay. I, so. I, I, know, I know it's a little – it's like very excessive because I remember I was watching the video where they were actually like burning the wood and getting the charcoal down. And like the vat to where – I mean it was like 10, 14 feet. I mean yeah, what's the difference? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Something it, it, like I that. mean whatever it was. It was outsider looking in. I was like that might be a little excessive. But they're selling a shit ton of their products. So they're sure. obviously doing something right. They're obviously doing something right. And the, their claim on the reason why they filter it through, uh, Rob and I were just talking about this, is, uh, uh, I mean, again, this is more of a marketing thing. And I, we, we, we both agree on that. Mm. I, I believe the same thing. Uh, it's supposed to filter out all the impurities of the whiskey right. that gives you the hangover like the the uh, the corn <laughs> oil or some shit like that they're claiming and there's like two or three other ones that apparently this charcoal filters out so you don't wake up with a hangover I'm like you drink enough of that fucking bottle you're gonna you wake sure up with a hangover you're like shit. I, am, I can I speak from personal experience that you will wake up with a hangover regardless of that filtering I, I,
3: process I've seen Dave Medrano wake up or come to work the next day after drinking quote unquote all the Jack Daniels in Burbank Yeah, <laughs> that motherfucker song over <laughs> yeah for sure yeah i, I think I, sure.
5: people claim that it makes it smoother yeah. or, or i don't I really mean, like I the can, taste of jack i think you can take much. a little bit of the sharpness off of the actual that's fair. Old spirit taste that's but fair. i mean i mean some people argue that's what they like like but jay Maduro's a great example because he likes his alcohol harsh and brash and, and in your face and some True. people don't enjoy that nice i mean it, it, you look at like four rows of single barrel since i just brought that up Ew. or Yellow <laughs> Spot. <laughs> Like, those are much more
0: rounded, mm-hmm. mellow, spe- you know, uh, yeah. I, brands. I still believe, I mean, again, this is my own personal preference, Bullet Bourbon is one of the sweetest bourbons I've ever had. Like, it's just so sweet that I can, it's almost too sweet for me at this point, where I need a little bit, I don't know, I, I need to make that into a cocktail as opposed to me just sipping on it by itself. I just can't. With bitters, it's much more palatable to me. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. So, since um, we were on the subject first, yeah. I
3: going to go, I want to set the record straight for the listeners. Hangovers... The most of the symptoms that you get from hangovers. Okay, so let me back this up for a quick second. Hangovers. If you feel hungover, what you're actually experiencing is a very mild form of alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. Period. There is there is no hangover free. Swelling of the brain. There is no hangover free booze. But most of the symptoms that you're experiencing are actually from dehydration.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That's actually like the majority of this of the symptoms you're experiencing. The the headache, the, uh, the 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 stomach ache, and all that. Uh, the nausea. Um, if you had, if you were experiencing sunstroke, or if you're experiencing severe de- dehydration, those are more or less the same. Expe- those are more or less the same uh, symptoms that you'd be experiencing. So there is a lot of different things that people like recommend for getting over it, uh, but the chief thing that you need is just water.
0: Water and, and time.
3: It's just water, and um, what we recommend too is that, like, if you really are one of those guys that are terrified of being hungover. The the rule of thumb is you want two glasses of water for every alcoholic beverage that you consume. Mm-hmm. If you do that, now granted you're also gonna feel more full, so you're not gonna to wanna to drink as much anyway. And you're gonna in the restroom Yeah, the entire Const- night. Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Constantly. You will never feel the effects of the yeah. on there, but but, Every single but person you, this podcast you, to the bathroom. Yeah, so. yeah but if <laughs> you do that but if you do that, you will you will greatly diminish the yeah. effects of the hangover. Yeah. There's that I, I, what was it? it was a Mancers thing that I like was like definitively answered that. There.
5: Yeah, well, it all, well, I mean, the big thing about the hydration is it takes up to seven, two hours for your body to fully rehydrate. So yeah. if you're entering into a drinking experience, let's just call it that,
1: you know, a, a <laughs> night out. Yeah. A night out. I love how you put
0: that have one. I want to have a drinking experience <laughs> yeah. with Matt yeah. as opposed yeah. to a night
1: out. I want a drinking experience.
0: We're gonna have a big experience. We're, things, so we're in the midst of it right don't now. Don't even worry. I want Robin to bring his backpack, but, dude. Like, what drinks do you want me to make? It's like, like, so, black so black
1: much fun. Are we <laughs> going to right now? Are, are we, we going, going to a bar to crawl after this?
0: Is that what is? We're probably gonna go out to Iron Triangle and say some fun stuff, so. But, uh, uh, but you were saying. Yeah, yeah,
5: so it takes your body up to 72 hours to fully rehydrate. So I want
0: your take on this, too. If you're
5: already like not hydrated or you know, not fully at your body's like capacity of hydration, then entering into that experience, you're going to come out of it with being even further dehydrated, unless you really keep your water uptake mm-hmm. up, take in. So like, I like your practice actually is like a lot of bars. As soon as I walk in, can I please have a pint of water with no ice? That's and that'll right. be the first thing that I drink. It saves
0: me every night. Yeah. yeah,
5: with with my drink or before it. So we you know as soon as we go to a new spot, cool. I'm drinking a bunch of water. But even without that, if you're fully hydrated, like I drink a little over a gallon of water a day. I'm constantly inhaling Just water a general good health tip it, it is great, yeah. <laughs> that's fair it's great for energy and sleep yeah. and weight loss whatever
0: the joints. Yeah, it's, whatever. it's
5: good for everything but if you enter into your drinking like that you're going to come out of it if you don't drink as much water or you forget or whatever you're going to come out of it feeling a whole lot better than if you haven't had a, a pint of water in the last two days mm-hmm. or even even more than that you know you have to go into that fully prepared and ready for it if you want to come out of it and not feel like shit. Yeah. I haven't had a hangover in quite some time because I feel like I hydrate
0: the shit out of myself. Which is smart. And I'm eating a lot yeah. too. Which you know? is smart, yeah. I've actually, I've, I've been so dehydrated before where, from drinking uh, where that, when I wake up in the middle of the night, my mouth is just as dry as a bucket of sand. Like I'm talking about like I can't even, it's just disgusting and I drink that first pint of water, immediately my body starts to perspirate. Like I just start sweating and I'm like, holy shit, was I that dehydrated? That the little bit of water that my body had was like, I know the body's overheating right now, but let's hold on to this water because we don't know if we're gonna get much more. You know what I mean? So once I drink in that water, my body starts to just sweat. It's just like, wow, I was really, I was red lighting it. Like I was was, was going a little bit too much. You know, I, I drank too much, so. That's definitely something that I that I try to avoid, and that's actually how I got on that whole no ice. Just I just pound a glass of water, and then I drink, and then I pound another glass of water. Yeah. I do the opposite of what you were saying. I do for every two drinks, I have a pint of water. Huh. Uh, it's probably not the best way to go about it, but the way I'm was, the, the way just I'm justifying it is, I'm still yeah, drinking am, water, so I, I feel am, better about, about it. You know? yeah. I am yeah. one of,
3: I am like probably the worst person on the planet of. Do what I say, not as I do, because I recommend having two glasses of water. But you Lord knows it. that when I'm on a binge, like there's maybe a glass of water mixed in like, with like yeah. eight or nine. Like drinks. The, only water, <laughs> the
0: only water Andrew's drinking on a night of boozing is the ice in his fucking
2: cocktail. All right, let's be
0: honest. <laughs> You're saying the rubber.
2: Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, there's a lot of, like, myths and a lot of, like, interesting beliefs, um, regarding hangovers and alcohol and all of that, right? Like, you have the whole, like, beer before liquor, right? Liquor before yeah, beer myths. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Here, here's, here's, here's the thing.
0: Isn't there something behind that, though? Because the e- carbonation of the beer kind of throws off the liquor? Again, I...
2: There, there's a couple <laughs> things with scientific backing, okay? Yeah. There's a couple things with scientific backing. One, ethanol is a poison, Okay. True. You are slowly
4: <laughs> poisoning
2: your body. All right. Let's True. just get that out of the way. That's what you're doing. So it feels it, so good though. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So so the thing is, is like you're slowly poisoning your body. So you're going to feel the effects of that poison. Uh, like and that's just what what's going to happen. Okay. Um, now your liver is very good at eliminating at like you know filtering out the poisons in your body. So are your kidneys. Um, but you can tax, you can overtax them. So, uh, ethanol does a couple different things. Um, one, I think the biggest one is it miss, it causes your hypothalamus to misregulate what your kidneys are expelling through your waste product. So you literally piss away the nutrients in your body. Because your hypothalamus is telling your kidneys to just expel everything, so all of the nutrients that you've got in your like naturally in your blood, right? And you know your kidneys are just expelling them. You are pissing them away. So that's one of the reasons why like hangovers feel like such shit is you've depleted your body of water and all of the other nutrients that like live in your bloodstream that your body needs to like operate normally.
0: So I, I don't mean to cut you off. I don't mean no, that's right. Uh, just just uh, going off what you're saying, is there like is there a certain amount as far as for um, – it takes two beers for your body to completely rid itself from all the healthy nutrients. Or is there – do they not know that yet? Or is it just they know as far as a long term, like a whole night of drinking is what leads to your body completely depleting itself of water and all those nutrients? Uh,
2: I don't have an answer for you. Okay. Uh, it depends on the person. Very much. There's a lot of different factors at that's play diet here. Diet kind of plays into it as well. Yeah, right? like yeah, weight, diet, weight, weight gender, uh, okay. alcohol tolerance plays a whole lot of. Like, there's a whole and that's lot of a real thing, man. That's a real play. thing for sure. Um, there's I'm... a whole lot of factors at play. So <laughs> there's no quick, there's no easy answer to like drink under this amount, and you'll be fine. Drink over this amount, yeah. you won't be fine. Right? It's just that the more you drink, the more your hypothalamus is gonna like. Misregulate your send, you know, misregulated signals to your kidneys. Gotcha. Uh, That's just how that works. So, Mm -hmm. like, yes, dehydration is a huge factor, but just drinking water I mean, drinking water while you're drinking booze means that, I mean, you can think about it as simply as this, right? If I take a shot of vodka and I just take it and just drink it, right? That's 40% alcohol by volume going straight into my body. If I take that same shot of vodka, pour it into a pint of water, right? Now that ABV is going to be more slowly absorbed into my body, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's going to take me longer to drink that and it's going to take longer for my body to absorb that. So if you're drinking water while you're drinking booze... The alcohol is gonna be diluted in your, like, you know, just like in your esophagus, in your stomach, your digestive tract in general, and it's gonna take longer for your body to absorb the same amount of alcohol if it's diluted in water and other things. Okay. Um, so that's just one that's a very easy way to understand that. Um carbonation, right? If carbonated like carbonated liquids, anything that's carbonated causes alcohol to be absorbed into your bloodstream at a faster rate. So, same shot of vodka with carbonated water versus that shot of vodka with non-carbonated water, you're going to feel the same alcohol differently. You're going to feel that alcohol absorb into your bloodstream faster with carbonated liquids, hmm. right? It's, it's just a thing that happens. It's like, you know, that's so scientifically proven. In
3: layman's terms, a gin and tonic is going to hit your bloodstream faster than a, an old-fashioned would.
2: Um, maybe, right? Those are apples and oranges, right? Gin and let's say lemonade, okay? Same shot of gin, uh, so two ounces of gin into 10 ounces of lemonade versus two ounces of gin in 10 ounces of tonic water, of carbonated tonic water, that's gonna hit your body differently. All other things, all the variables isolated, that's gonna hit your body differently. That's just like, so. so there's that. But again, there's a lot of factors at play. What you've eaten, how much you've eaten. Right, things that are um, like uh, carb heavy, uh, things that are fat heavy, um, those are going to slow down the absorption of alcohol into your bloodstream. So
3: I have a question for you. Drunk food. I I right, mm-hmm. I don't believe. I mean, I've already said too. I don't hear. I don't believe most of the myths about like oh my god, tequila, like, I can't do tequila, but I can do, like, you know, shots of Jameson all day. I actually like. can't
0: do vodka. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest
3: with you. because I don't like it, people, I, yeah, I don't like People it. have different, like, you know, suspicions about uh, different kinds of spirits, but um, I have a personal bias against wine because for some reason, wine just gives me a massive headache. All other things being, all other things being equal, if I... Even if I'm not hung over the next morning when I'm drinking wine, mm-hmm. I'll have a headache. And I don't know why. Is there like do you is there some reason for that?
2: Sulfites. Um I we so, had our
1: answer just ready.
2: So <laughs> uh, okay. I did bring him for a reason. Okay, I know, dude. Okay. No, just there's all just, right. just
1: some like some Will people not, explain explain sulfites, not even Not even uh it wasn't no uh, uh, sulfites, that's sulfites. it. Sulfites so, <laughs> so, I mean right. some ollier training and all that.
2: Sulfites are, one, naturally occurring in wine, okay? You can make a wine 100% natural with nothing artificial added, and it's still going to have sulfites, right? If you want is a... Is there a way to filter out sulfites? You can, you can remove sulfites to a high degree. What is, what is a sulfite back then? I, yeah. uh, the, like, I, I want to say it's um, sulfur oxide, sulfurous oxide. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure, but sulfites are often added to wine as a preservative. Right. They're added as a way to keep the wine from going bad. They also naturally occur during the fermentation process, Mm. which is a way to help the wine from keep, to keep from going bad. Okay. Um, so sulfites now, a lot of people are allergic to sulfites to varying degrees, right? Some people can't have wine at all because sulfites, they're highly sensitive to sulfites and they'll give them a headache. They give them a lot of adverse reactions, um, you know, sulfite. Uh, the amount of sulfites in a wine vary a lot. Uh, if you're drinking cheap wine, it's probably has lots of sulfites added to it. Okay. Um, you can add sulfite. Does the sulfites change the flavor
0: of the wine, or does it change no, like how it like the mouth feel? Like, what, what what exactly does it do if you
2: add it to the wine? It's it's strictly a preservative. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so and it's just oh, to make it's it almost. Last longer. I'm sure that there are expert sommeliers that can detect sulfites. Okay. The vast majority of, of lay people couldn't, couldn't taste sulfites. You can't taste sulfites. I, I don't know what it tastes like, to be honest with you. Exactly. Can, can you
0: describe what a sulfite might taste like? Do you know? No idea. No? Okay. No worries. Couldn't
2: tell you. Filing, finely
5: tuned palate. Because we that. Yeah. yeah, I mean those Somalians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean they spread like master
2: sons can do amazing dollars. things. Yeah. yeah, they spend thousands of dollars on their yeah. education. On being they're
1: to like distinguish them I between to them. I, I think, think it's got to be a gene- like genetically. I think only certain, like certain palates are different. Like, yeah, certain like people.
5: Well, and you can burn out your palate too. You know, that's like, what I mean. Like, yeah, you can damage it.
1: I'm sure you can't just like go into it at 19 and be like, well, my palate is now going to be this. Like I'm going to, you know, all of a sudden become a. I don't know. I just feel like.
0: Well, I mean, it's the same was- thing goes with, like, as far as, like, your, your palate's always changing. But, like, I didn't, I, there was a point where I didn't like beer, and then it just eventually my palate changed where I was able to appreciate beer for what it is. And, like, all those little subtle subtle differences between, like, an IPA and a pale ale or, like, um, I don't know, like an Irish stout and, like, a normal fucking milk stout. Like, I was able to kind of figure out the difference, even though they look the same. But like, I was able to figure out, okay, like, certain ones have different flavors, and I appreciate that. Same thing with a bourbon and a rye. You know? that, like, was, that was the I most just...
5: frustrating part for me when I was learning about all this is, is reading through all these books. Like, getting the books left and right, taking the classes, talking to bartenders, tasting. And I was doing everything I could, but I just could not speed up the process of teaching your palate. Mm-hmm. Of learning the different flavors and being able to break them down. It's just kind of something that comes with time. Yeah, what I think so. So you gotta really, really put
1: the time and to train on and that. And You gotta
5: you gotta pay attention, you know. One of the, the some of the advice I've read out of some books was saying that, you know, even when you're just walking down the street or driving your car, roll on your windows and, and try to smell what's in the air and associate that with what's around that area. And you'd be surprised what you can break down and understand about
1: what's in your area maybe there's mean, a lot true. of
5: roses that grow down your street true. or but, uh, maybe there's a, okay. an avocado farm nearby or that, or whatever the hell that's
1: the point that I'm trying to make though is that you have to be somebody who's capable of uh, paying attention to details you can't just be like going through life like, like vague and like not really you know what I mean like mm-hmm. not really being sharp on anything and then being that like alright now, you, now your palate has to be sharp on this thing like yeah. I just think there's a certain you know it takes a certain character of person to be like alright to even want to, say, train your palate. Like, it's... it's, I don't know. It's not for everybody. I mean, dude, tra- train your
0: palate yeah, a lot yeah. of fun, man. Because it's like, yeah, in order to train your palate, it means you have to drink more. So, I mean... You just gotta Tough go job. And try. I know, right? You mean, just to go on and try everything.
3: I mean, I would just recommend to anybody that, like... When you take the time to appreciate... I mean, not even just with food and drink, but mm-hmm. life in general. I mean, you take the time to appreciate the subtler things, yeah. the the handle more mustache, finer things in life. It's <laughs> yeah,
4: deep
3: hand. Cash uh, if, if you take the time to appreciate those... <laughs> I was the, expecting it, actually, when if I saw you, you today. If you take the, kind, mean, if you take growing, the time to really appreciate that kind of stuff, like, yeah, it just makes every great. experience richer, and it's uh-huh. free. Yeah. Like, yeah. if yeah. you take the time to, like, train yourself to notice the small things, yeah. it just means that everything that you do... Is that much better because you're noticing things you otherwise wouldn't.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: How cool is that?
0: It's fucking cool shit.
3: It, it means yeah. that, like, you know, I can have like, I can go to a bar and I can order a glass of whiskey and I'll and I'll sit there and drink that glass of whiskey and I'll be enjoying it for however long it takes me to drink that. How do you drink your whiskey? It depends on what it is. Um, Quick and fast before it
5: starts laughing at you. But that's a quote from some book I fucked up. It's something like that. It's like what's the best way to enjoy a dram is quickly before it starts laughing at you or
1: something like that. That's funny. That's
0: good.
5: Maybe you guys can
1: reference that better. I I I I I Do remember it might be a Jerry Thomas quote. uh, You're on your own (laughs) branch on that one.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Really quick, I want to go back. Um, This is like four or five conversations ago because we've been jumping, dude. I love it. I love it. So far, I've had a lot of fun, guys. Thanks thanks again. Uh, So going back to the whole, um, the strict restrictions between a bourbon and a rye, that's mainly stateside, right, as far as like stateside? Yes. Is that because of the whole prohibition where people were making spirits in their bathtub and it was killing off people where they decided to make this very strict formula where they, like, you have to fit these guidelines in order to sell this spirit? Or is that something that, that came from a different
2: reason? You know, uh it's definitely stateside. Those rules are like United States uh I mean like we're the only country that abides by those strict
3: rules, right? Most well I mean Scotland's got its own rules regarding Scotch, but okay. like bourbon but they're and, not
0: as strict as bourbon, bourbon, and bourbon, and rye.
3: bourbon and rye is um is a United States product for the most part. Mm, Does that's have true. made in this yeah, country. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, almost it's like scotch.
0: champagne has to be made in champagne. Yeah, uh, I mean that the yeah, French,
3: the French and the Italians yeah. have all kinds of
1: rules about what yeah. about how you can grow. Otherwise, grapes, other and everything else is
0: sparkling wine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there again, a term. for that, I and mean, we're we're exclusive to the region. Yeah, there's a term. Uh,
2: I, I mean, know. in France, AOC. What was that? AOC. 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 Yeah, I think it's like area of control. Like, oh, really? is what Ready that translates yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, yeah. it's
3: all right. So. Again, I, I hate to be a win-trick pony on this, but again, it comes back to economics. Okay. If if there's <laughs> a guy, bro. <laughs> there is a there's a pre, there's, there's a amount of prestige associated with a product, if it's if there is a a, a quality that's perceived from it. I see. So if I start making cheap ass whiskey in California, for example, but I start calling it Kentucky whiskey. The fact that I'm making that and calling it Kentucky whiskey, it put the damper on everybody else that's calling their stuff Kentucky whiskey. I definitely get that. I definitely so get that. If, if when I, if you look at a bottle and it says like Chris was saying, straight Kentucky straight whiskey or Kentucky straight bourbon, what that means is that it's from Kentucky, it's got at least fifty one percent corn, and it's. It's aged according to all the other rules and stuff that's associated with it. There's a quality attached to it. Yeah. Um, if I start making all that stuff with the same label, what it's going to eventually do is it's going to create a distrust in the product and it's not going to demand the same price. Ah, uh,
0: okay. It's
3: the same thing with like, it's the same thing with everything. Gotcha. It's, why, it's why the French don't want, it's why the French want their wine to be associated with France. Gotcha. Because their wine is going to be more expensive. Why is French wine more expensive? Because it's French. Because there's a certain amount of like, association attached to it that oh, makes it already expensive. Well,
2: also, you yeah, have the soil and sorry. Yeah. do yeah. yeah, no, no. Uh, Can I just jump in one thing with yeah. like uh, like bourbon and rye? One thing I did yeah. not mention is those things have to be made in the United States, but they do not have to be made in Kentucky. That's a common misconception that bourbon needs to be made in Kentucky. Right? Not true. 100% okay. not true. Um, why is so much bourbon made in Kentucky? Because they have very good climate for aging. Okay, so when you're aging a spirit in wood, right, what you want ideally is very cold winters and very hot summers because that temperature differentiation over the years... Um, means that the wood expands and contracts a lot more. Does that mean that it absorbs the whiskey into the wood and then? There's a lot back. more interaction. Ah, there's a lot more interaction between wood and and distillate, wood and juice. Huh. If there are like if there's a higher temperature differentiation okay. over time, right? That's why. Most whiskeys in Scotland are aged a hell of a lot longer than whiskeys aged in the states because like, they don't have such because problems. exactly so yeah there's, uh,
4: their uh, their summers yeah, are more moderate bit,
2: right all right yeah. so like Kentucky is a great place for making for aging things in okay. wood um, and that's why a lot of the best bourbons come from Kentucky but you, you can make bourbon or like rye whiskey even like straight bourbon mm-hmm. straight rye whiskey. Anywhere in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really happy you brought that back up because I I don't think there was a chance where you got to explain uh, rye as opposed to bourbon. Right. I mean, straight rye and straight bourbon have very, very similar regulations. Uh Um, It's just that, like, bourbon is minimum 51% corn. Rye is minimum 51% rye. Um, But they both have to be aged in new charred American oak. Gotcha. I believe that also applies to rye. I'm like 90% sure it also applies to rye as well as bourbon. Um, and then they have to be aged for like a minimum of four – like like minimum of two years. But if it's under four, you have to put the age statement on, on there. So if you just see no age statement on the bottle but it says straight bourbon whiskey or straight rye whiskey, then you know it's at least four years. Um, there's Anything also more than that, they have to put the the, the age on there? So less than, than four years. No, less it than four. Less than four years. They can't know? call they it can't straight bourbon it. or straight rye if it's under two. Okay. Uh, I'm fairly certain. Uh, and if it's under four, they have to put the age statement on there so you know it's under four. Gotcha,
5: gotcha. Um, That's why a lot, of, a lot of places will put a minimum of four years in the bottle so that they don't have to put any, any age statement on it at all. Exactly. Because otherwise they have to put in small print like it was only aged for 40 months or, or whatever
2: the... Whatever, whatever the, it is. Yeah. Um, mm. Now, where bourbon is made, where it's made uh, in terms of like Kentucky straight bourbon, right? It's a bit, bit interesting because you have a lot of... You have a lot of whiskey companies that will... Um, buy barrels from some other like, you know, distiller and maybe they age it themselves. Maybe they don't. Maybe they like just blend, they buy a bunch of barrels and blend it and bottle it and brand it and send it out, right? And sell it, right? Because the thing about whiskey is you can't, it's not good without time and time costs money. You got to pay for the real estate. You got to pay to like maintain it. You're going to lose some of that product due to evaporation. You know the angel share. Like it's expensive to make whiskey because you have to wait. You have a lot of time. There's a lot. There's a there's a big window where you've spent a lot of money and you get zero return. And um, so a lot of people buy whiskey from other distillers. Uh, you know, and either age it themselves or you know it's already aged, and they just blend it and bottle it and then sell it. Um, really? Is well, that's yeah. a, to extrapolate on that point a little Holy bit, shit, like if you idea.
5: think about distillation, it's not like brewing. Like we can brew here; it's just like making soup. Mm-hmm. But distillation is dangerous as fuck. Like you're talking about playing with people's lives because if you do it wrong, it'll explode. And you can't just do that in your apartment. You can't even just do that at your house because if you have neighbors. Like that's a dangerous thing to do. You're playing with a lot of chemistry. Uh, you need to be careful with it. So there's a reason why it's easy like, to fuck there's up. There's a reason they
3: made moonshine in the mountains away from everybody. Exactly
5: because it killed people. Like that's a legitimate concern. Is if you don't know exactly what you're doing and things aren't clean and organized and proper, people can die. So a lot, and and the risk aside, it's expensive and difficult to do just right. You also have to cut it right, too, when it comes out of the still. Because if you cut it wrong, you don't take the heads and the tails off. You you need to take the heart. That's what they call it. There's the heads and the tails, and there's a heart. When you want to distill, you need to remove... You need to When the still's dripping, when it's dropping alcohol out, there's a certain point we need to remove that, and then you collect the heart of it, and then you break that off, too, and you break off the, mm-hmm. the end of it, the tail. So that's difficult and expensive, but when there's... Major companies, like let's say, take a mass distiller like uh, MGP, LDI, is a mass distiller in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And they just they have the resources available and they're already making it for a variety of uses. And they happen to have a pretty good mash bill for some of their bourbon and, or mm-hmm. for some of their corn whiskey and rye whiskey. And so people will just buy that, that spirit, just the liquid. They have their own barrels or they have their own place to to age it, so maybe they already own real estate. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I want to get involved in, in whiskey. You buy a bunch of distillate, you pop it in some barrels, and you leave it on your property. Or if you have less available to you, you buy something that's already aged from a variety of places. High West is a great example. Mm-hmm. Their Campfire Whiskey is an Michters. awesome example of that. Or Michter's. You know, campfire
0: they, whiskey was actually the one that I was going to choose as being the last spirit that I like. If I was if I was on an island and I had one bottle to go, campfire, campfire, would I mean, it's a thing. great yeah. blend of, of bourbon, rye, and, and scotch. And Scott, yeah, like they That's do the such a good got.
5: job of buying. And I mean, they actually have their own distillation going now, but like they were buying different barrels from around the world and blending them together, which is just a mass version mm-hmm. of what you know, grocers and. And tea shops were doing in Scotland in you know the late 1800s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. as they were making their own blends, their own mixes, slapping a different label on it, and selling it as their own product. Mm-hmm. And it sound when you say it like that, it kind of sounds like anti-boutique, anti-craft. But really, I mean, that's how where you get some of the best tasting stuff in the world that's true. is if you have it, if you have the palate for it, if you have the knowledge, and you're able to put all these different things together, kind of like a bartender does. You're able to Produce a, or at least put together an entirely new product, and if you market it properly, you have a, you know, Hell, you can make a lot
3: of fucking money. Uh, one of mm-hmm. my favorite scotches is a blended is a blend of different single malts. Monkey Shoulder. Yeah, that's it's great. talking about, about yeah. Monkey Shoulder just that's yesterday. A, actually, I mean, that's yeah. one of my favorites. can I get to tell
5: you where the name came from? Please tell us. Uh, the funny thing about Monkey Shoulder is that when you're uh, dragging the I forget what they call the rake a that they drag through when they're drying the malt on the ground. Seven so when, when, you're, when they're drying all the mal- malt on the ground, they have to turn it over because the bottom layers stay more moist. So they have this giant rake they drag behind you. And if you're an employee of the distiller, you have to drag this thing through this floor for eight to 12 hours a day. And one of the sounds injuries... Like fun. <laughs> yeah, right? It sounds like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the injuries is sustains a lot of shoulder injuries and they would call it a monkey shoulder. So uh-huh. eventually that's where uh-huh. the brand... God, its name That's from. That's one of my it's favorite touches,
0: man. It's really fucking it's easy drinking. That Yeah, dude, dude,
1: for sure. I'm not sure if we ever got your best drink.
2: Oh, yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. Favorite favorite drink. Yeah. You just reminded me of uh,
1: that whole thing with the whole... your What you would drink oh, yeah. on the island. Oh, yeah. The campfire. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the
2: man. Campfire. All right. So, so, okay. Here's the drink I make the best, uh, I think. Um, I make the world's best Boulevardier. Oh,
1: fuck. I don't even know what that is. I
3: do.
4: You know what? Like, I'm (laughs) I'm gonna say
2: it. I'm gonna say it. I've been working on that a lot. I've been I've been running it by Boulevardier experts, people that like are like only drink Boulevardiers. Sorry, and I I make the best one. So for the listeners, okay, run us through that. All right, right. okay, 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 okay. Okay. Mm. So Boulevardier is a riff on the classic Negroni cocktail. Now Boulevardier is actually a very very old cocktail. It's created at the Boulevardier bar in Paris, France. Um, I don't know when, but I want to say early 1900s, but essentially it was an American-themed bar in France, um, and they created, um, they, they created this like riff on a Negroni. So a Negroni is classically equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. Campari is a bitter liqueur that I think you could argue falls under the Amari category. starts sweet, finishes bitter, has a lot of orange notes all the way through. So classic and gronies equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and uh, campari, either uh, stirred and then either up or on the rocks with an orange twist. Boulevardier subs out, substitutes that gin for bourbon. So classically equal parts bourbon, sweet vermouth, and campari. Okay. Do you still
0: add the orange
2: peel? Yeah, and the orange peel. All right. So there's one way that I might improve on this, but so far I have not tried it and i would like to it's, it's 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 on my docket for the near future but my so current right now the theory a, a, what a theory well, behind I'm it i'm going to tell or? you what i've tried Okay. what i consider the the current best boulevardier i've ever had i no, no 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 i haven't tried it with hold on you're going ahead all right so and then i'm going to tell you what i think might be better but i'm going to have to play with the specs a little bit okay. so my current favorite Iteration of the Boulevardier is one and a half ounces of bonded, hundred-proof old granddad bourbon, okay? One ounce of Alessio Chinato sweet vermouth, Mm. three-quarters of an ounce (laughs) of Campari stirred on one big ice cube, right? So stirred on the rocks, not up, ideally one big ice cube, and then a channel-knifed orange peel, for the orange zest on the top, all of those things are extremely particular. Yeah, but that's Do explain that is why. my favorite. Okay, so one old granddad is a high rye, high rye mash bell bourbon, which means it's drier, it's spicier. Mm-hmm. And what I what I hate about most Negronis and most Boulevardiers is that the bourbon gets lost, right? All of the wonderful bourbon notes get lost. And so that's why I, I upped it from equal parts. So normally it was originally one ounce, one ounce, one ounce. I upped it to one and a half and I went with a bonded because I want the bourbon to be the star. Um, I just think that if you're, if you're going to use a good bourbon, that should be the star of the show. Alessio Chinato is most, vermouths get, comp- most sweet vermouths get completely lost in a Negroni or Boulevardier. I mean they're mostly there as dilution. You barely mm. taste them. Okay, um, and Alessio Chinato is big and bold enough to stand out, but also bitter enough where you're not just going to add a whole lot of sweetness and throw off the balance of the cocktail because it's bitter enough on the finish where it balances itself out. Normally in a Negroni or Boulevardier, the Campari takes over completely. Okay, now Campari changed their recipe in the '70s. They were a victim of their own success, so they changed their recipe. I was lucky enough to one time be able to taste OG Campari before they changed the recipe. They okay? tasted a, a sip of a very old bottle of Campari, and it tasted so much better than modern Campari. Right, like It had subtlety. It had depth. It had complexity, whereas modern Campari is crazy sweet, then lots of orange through the mid-palate, and then crazy bitter. That's it. It's three notes, boom, 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 and that's it. And campari, modern Campari takes over almost any cocktail you put it in unless you're very, very careful. So that's why I dropped it to three-quarters of an ounce okay. so that it becomes more of like an accentuation and a background note rather than like it just takes over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, there is a spirit called Bruto Americano that's made by the St. George Distillery up in Alameda, California. Well, Alameda? Yeah That's where I'm from Really? Cool yeah, They're fantastic Dude, St. George story. does a lot of cool, oh, shit. Really they sure lot of cool shit They a do a lot, lot of cool shit
1: They do a lot of good work I don't know anybody even knew about that place uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah, shit. There's three people right you here We got yeah. three, three <laughs> in the <laughs> We have their abs in Are yeah, yeah, yeah. We here. have the Bruto Americano Yeah, yeah we carry oh, a lot This of is all shit. from Alameda Yeah Yeah. Shout out Alameda, man
2: Born and raised Anyway, sorry Yeah, no, no So St. George's Distillery does a lot of good work And they put out a spirit recently called Bruto Americano, which is essentially a bitter liqueur in the style, in a similar style as Campari, but it is is what I've always wanted Campari to be, which is, yes... It is sweet on the front, and it is very bitter on the finish. But it's got – not only does it have that that strong orange peel citrus note, but it's got so much, like, herbs. Like, Mm. there's some pininess to it. There's a lot of green, fresh herbs going all the way through, which I love. I have had um, every single classic cocktail that calls for Campari, I've had it substituted for, like one for one, you know, like, not changing the specs, I've always substituted, I've tried it with Brutto Americano, and it has been better every single time. The only thing I have not tried yet is my perfect Boulevardier with Brutto Americano instead of Campari. But anything that calls for Campari, I think you could trade one for one Brutto Americano and it would be a better cocktail, right? Like... I'd love to try it sometime, dude. I, I, I you know, any, I, I might make a lot of enemies in the bar community by saying that, but I don't care. <laughs> like, put me to the test, man. Bruto Americano is better than Campari, and anything you and, could use Campari and for. And
1: Brutto Americano is for Alameda?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely better. I going to back that. One hundred and ten percent.
2: That's cool, man. Oh, for uh, sure. For anybody sure. says
1: anything to you, bro. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: I mean, like, prove me wrong. Right, yeah. like somebody proved me wrong. I, I don't know. I've 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 yet to find. A classic a cocktail? You could do like
1: the Pepsi, Pepsi Coke. Yeah. You know no. What I mean, like just take like a blind taste test or whatever. Just like random, random people. I think it would not probably people, stand up. You
5: know. I also I don't I don't know. It's been a while since I tasted that, but I don't know if it, it would stand up. It would. I would necessarily compare it entirely to Campari. I feel like it's. It <sighs> almost it almost tastes like. Okay, how would you make your Americano then?
2: One uh, and a half, one and a half, same specs, same specs. Bruto Americano, like I, I would sub it out one for one because what, from, it, yeah, for Campari. Yeah, I mean, like I, like equal, like the don't change the specs in any but, way. Yeah. Try Bruto Americano in mm-hmm. anything that calls for Campari and see what happens. Because what do you guys think of this? Yeah, Dude, I still haven't
3: it. tried it yet. I, I've, I've heard him say this numerous times. I haven't like messed around with it. Oh, okay. to so actually, check I'm it, it out. This shot uh mm-hmm. in. To to be one hundred percent fair, uh, the way Chris likes to drink is a little intense for people. I, I so, Yeah, I like intense things. Uh, so his his recommendations uh, might taste a lot different to me and Matt mm-hmm. than they would taste to like your average person oh, who, sure. who, if they're trying a Negroni for the first time or a Boulevardier for the first time, if they have it the way that Chris is making it, it might actually the 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 things he does might be lost on them, or might even push them in the other direction right, where they won't yeah. like it. Okay. But if you're if you're already a fan of the of the, the classic style cocktail, his innovations are they're really cool. Like I would, it's it's like one of those things where it's like you know when you're making uh, music for musicians, it's different than if you're making music for like mass consumption.
4: Okay. And so that's Chris a, can so totally do that, but when he but, some...
3: but when he's but like Chris can totally do that. Like he makes fucking like some cocktails that like. You know, everyone just loves, but when he, when he gets this crazy about it, when he gets this nerdy about it, it's mostly because he's speaking
1: as an artist to other artists. Gotcha, and so that's that more it. or less what this is. To so me, that so summarizes that this. this whole podcast. Uh, for me, because I'm sitting here, like a lot of this language is lost on me, and uh, but I could tell all of you guys are like certain words are just like, oh yeah, you know, and like I see your guys' faces are lighting up, and there's passion all around. But a lot of this is like Latin to me. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool to just like sit around like four guys that have this kind of passion about liquor and uh, spirits and whatnot. It's been, uh, it's been enlightening.
5: Well, there's a great book that I would recommend to anybody who's beginning in any of this that is interested in at least cocktailing and bartending. I think the bar book by Jeffrey Morgenthaler is a great place to start. Um, although, I mean, you lose a little bit of the, some of the subtle finer things in that book. Uh, you do get a really good sense of, he he does a good job of explaining kind of the background of where things come from Mm -hmm. and then why he thinks that those practices are kind of silly and how he has shortened them to his own thing. So, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not the classically trained fencing, but uh, he can throw a sword, you know know what I mean? Sure, sure.
0: It'll give you a solid um, appreciation and a solid foundation of like, just mixing spirits and spirits yeah. and where they came from and cocktails and
4: all that good stuff. Sure. When, when we that really you find other books and
5: when you, when you, you start reading fun. other you know, more right. in-depth classic cocktail books, there are books. books out there that are yeah, you'll, you'll see mm-hmm. where he got all of his ideas from yeah. because he did yeah. his hard, he did the hard research and the hard work and kind of put it together with his own spin and experience into a book.
4: Mm-hmm. I just
5: think that that book is, is fucking it's great. It's read too. It's really yeah. not that difficult. Really, and anybody yeah. can do it. You know, he breaks yeah. it down really well. It's fun.
4: It well,
1: is fun. I mean, yeah, like, man. like I said, this has been a uh, very enlightening, man. This is like I've just been sitting here, just like listening to you guys talk, and it's like, man, eye opening. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy the depths that that, you know, these these different ingredients are thought about. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's, been,
4: it's a. It's a lot been more
0: intriguing. than mixing vodka and OJ, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there's uh-huh. a lot more to <laughs> it. <laughs> a lot more to it. So hey, so we're. Uh, I know Robba here has to get going soon. Um, I definitely want to um, end this note on a quick little what your guys' take is on just what's your theory behind bartending? What's your philosophy behind it? So I will each give a, like a minute or so to kind of explain your take on like what you think bartending is and what, why you do
3: it and et cetera, et cetera. Anything else you want to add in? I mean, and then, uh, like, a, like a last thought? We'll start on off that. with uh, Andrew. I mean my, uh, my two Jedi masters that – taught me or three Jedi Masters they all had something very in common they had their differences in like how they thought of everything but they all had one very common thing um you one of the beautiful things about bartending is that you can totally go into detail Mm -hmm. and you can totally get as crazy as we just got in the last hour but most people that come into bars they come into bars for like just to take a load off to relax to have a good time to meet someone new to meet someone old Mm -hmm. um You are... You're there to kind of ease that transition. You're the host of the party. You're the host of, like, the get-together. And you're just... You're just providing everyone with a basic social need. And there is a beautiful equilibrium to that. You know, like, I see... I service... uh, I service people that are lawyers, doctors, nurses, teachers... Uh, Stay at home parents, and even the occasional like unemployed guy that's on uh, social security that smells like a dumpster. Um, <laughs> oh jeez, oh, oh, man, one of yeah. those guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one hit. The on one, one thing that was uh, that was a particular one. reference. The one <laughs> thing, the one thing that everyone has in common is that they are all people. Yeah, and I would not recommend this job to anybody who does not genuinely enjoy people, because. The best and the worst part of bartending is the people. Nah, for sure. And that, and that, and we can get <clears as throat> we go as nerdy as we want about drinks and everything else like that. But as Luke always used to say, at the end of the day, all you're doing is putting liquid into a cup. How you interact with people and the people that you interact with—that is truly the best part of bartending.
0: Fair. That's well
3: said, sir. Oh, Mr. Sir.
5: Roadhouse. Um. Yeah, I agree with that a lot entirely. Um, I think it's all about, you know, yeah, it is people coming together and, and having a good time, kind of shedding all the social expectations that we have, or at least most of them, and really just, you know, enjoying each other's company and taking uh, uh, or reveling in uh, the moment and just being around good people. That's what I care about. You know, I, I, at the same time, providing a quality product. You know, I want to give something to people that not only, you know, helps them relax and be social, but also isn't isn't going to give them a hangover tomorrow, isn't going to make them feel like shit, to put it in the short term. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, you really get to experience different phases in people's lives. You really get to experience, you know... Parts of people they get to come and share, and they share that, and they kind of leave a little bit of themselves there in that bar, and they add to the culture of it. You know, if you've got a really good place going, which you know, hopefully everybody gets to work at at some point or continuously, you know,
0: there is a big difference. Yeah, you yeah, get to a be a part difference.
5: of something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, I love every minute of it, I love ha- having a, an influence on people, hopefully in a positive way on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That to me, you know, you get to reach so many people, you get to meet so many people from different origins and backgrounds and areas especially if you work in an area where there's a lot of transplants or a lot of people traveling through i have a buddy whose mom works in an airport o'hare and she's been working there for like 25 years that's the main
0: airport out of chicago right yeah exactly Damn.
5: and she's been, you know she makes great money don't get me wrong but sure, she, she gets to meet all new people all the time and wow. and experience new things and you're kind of to the pulse of culture i really enjoy that part of it nice, man, for sure
4: brother
2: uh, so, you know, just echoing things that we've touched on already, uh, I, I think that the core of bartending is to be the host of the party and to give people a good time. And, uh, yeah, I know a lot about spirits and a lot about, uh, cocktails and beer, but I think those are all just tools in the toolkit of giving people a good time. And a lot of, uh, the core of bartending Absolutely. is being able to like read a person and figure out what they need right now, like what they want out of that, because, it's so much cheaper and easier for anybody to drink at home, right? Like, at any given time, any given thing, like, yeah, you might be able to get a cocktail you couldn't make yourself at a bar, but, like, most of the time, it's cheaper and easier to drink at home. So why don't people do that? Why do people choose to come out to a bar? And the main thing is they want that social interaction, right? They want to be drinking with people and interacting with people, or at least just be surrounded by that buzz. I mean, sometimes I just go to a bar... By myself and I'll read because I'd rather read there in the bar with the buzz than like by myself at home, um, you know. And so being able to like read a person and be like, oh, they just want – that customer just wants to be left alone or, oh, they just want to talk or, oh, they want to like be introduced and mingle with other people mm-hmm. or, oh, they want to get a really good cocktail or a really good beer or like whatever. Figuring out what a person needs right then and there, like that's, that's the core of the job I think.
0: Nice man. Well said, sir. Well said. For yeah. sure. Well, gentlemen, I'm uh, on that note. We're definitely gonna be uh, uh, closing this up here. That's uh, we're two hours in, Jeez. two hours and eleven so minutes Two twelve minutes. Like <laughs> that went by pretty quickly, gentlemen. I hopefully you enjoyed yourselves. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, really quick. I just want to say uh, thanks again, guys, for coming out today. Had a lot of fun. I, I, I mean, again, I'm I'm still learning. I mean, I think bartending is a is an ever-evolving game, and you're always learning something new, and you can't really know enough. Um, so I'm I mean I've been bartending for a while now but I'm, I learned a lot of new shit today so I really want to thank you guys for that um, and also um, uh, for any of our listeners uh, can they find you anywhere uh, Instagram Facebook anything like that guys I was, um, I was
3: hoping you'd give us the opportunity so if you would, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. If you want, plug time so uh, all four of us uh, we are based out of the city of Los Angeles more specifically Glendale all four of us at this point point. Um, and if you want to visit uh, anytime in this area say that you were on that you found us through a long winded spiel we'll so yeah. see what you can do for you what we can do for you um, yeah. uh, the moose den in Glendale there you go uh, you can find Derek and I here uh, most of the week that's right right us uh, give a, a shout Tuesday out Tuesday nights karaoke yeah <laughs> Tuesday nights karaoke yeah
5: that's right it's fucking awesome karaoke night. Yeah, it's kind of set doing up doing
0: well man doing um, really, really
5: well that or the famous Glendale as well right next door uh, the federal North Hollywood come check us out uh you know, we're floating around. We like to yeah. move like baseball players. Yeah, so, we do.
2: Yeah. Instagram, M Racer, right, wherever up. the
1: money is. There you man. go. Yeah, that's there right.
2: Go. Mr. Robba? <laughs> uh Yeah, I currently work at Iron Triangle Brewery. Just Which on we're the going later run. today. <laughs> yeah, um, and I work at the Freehand Hotel on Eighth and Olive. Um, yeah. Uh that's that's it like a social throw, media preference. Throw, throw
3: General Lee's a fucking Yeah, I was like
2: I was considering. I nah, occasionally throw them a like okay, I love General Lee's. It's it's a cocktail bar in the heart of Chinatown. General Lee's, I moonlight there occasionally, but uh I love them to death. I love that whole crew to death because mm-hmm. you can always it's always a good time. It's always busy. If you want to, like, roll in there and, like, mingle and dance with people, you can, but also they can make you a mean cocktail, and uh, I love that entire crew, and they're so much fun to work with and so much fun to be around. So, yeah, g- g- I highly recommend General Ease any given night of the week. Gotcha. Go in there. For sure, man. For nice. sure. And,
0: uh, yeah, so thanks again, listeners, for, uh, for tuning in. Uh, once again, uh, you can find me on Longwinishbill, Bill dot I do have an Instagram page, I have a Twitter, and I have a Facebook as well. Um, aside from that, uh, stay tuned for next week, episode twenty six. I'm gonna have uh, Justin Garrett here. Uh, we're oh, gonna be shit. talking about yeah, Justin's coming in next week.
2: Fucking love Justin. Yeah,
0: so do I, man. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be talking about the whole. Uh, I, he's a cyclist, so we're gonna be talking about the whole bicycle scene and like what you know his experience with it and all that other good stuff. And he's also uh, he's also a chef. So we'll be kind of diving into the whole uh, culinary scene as well, food and, bikes. and uh, we'll see what else comes up because afterwards we're gonna go on a little adventure with Ayo. Mr. Roadhouse here. You coming next week, right? I am now. Mr. Roadhouse, <laughs> Wait, where are you guys <laughs> going? Uh, around the area. Uh, we have the uh, we have the orange line right here that follows the entire metro, and then so we're just gonna be going up to this uh, this uh, little dive bar that I like going to after the podcast. We're gonna ride our bikes up there. We're gonna ride our bikes down to the Village Girls, like new outdoor oh, mall. Damn. Have some food. You guys want to you guys want to come in next uh, next podcast, man? You're more than welcome. Hit us up. Well, Seriously. you have, let, well, let you have me
3: scheduled on most Wednesdays, Derek. So I'll... <laughs> get next
0: Wednesday off, buddy. <laughs> talk to your boss, yeah, bro. Talk, yeah, talk to your I boss. I happen to AKA know that AKA guy, so maybe I can work something out for you, Robert. Would you be able to get next Wednesday off?
2: Uh, no. Wednesday night, I, I typically work. I love the 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 trivia nights at okay. Iron Triangle, so I, I gotcha. like working those. But like, man, I I miss Justin. I want to go eat with that guy. I want to go drink with that guy.
4: Why? Well,
0: uh, he, he
5: lives in North Hollywood. It's right Hollywood. near the federal. It is. I'm there on Thursday night sometimes and Saturday for brunch.
0: Okay. To no. know. You guys want to come no. through? Oh shit! Sure, you work the yeah. I didn't yeah. know you worked the federal. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so again, uh, next uh, next week, episode twenty six we will be with, uh, Justin Garrett, myself, Roadhouse, and as always. Michael Motherfucking Gilman.
4: Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: Please tune in, guys. Uh, thanks again, gentlemen, for coming out. Yeah, today. of course. Enjoy yourself. Uh, you're always welcome. You guys. Are, uh, I mean, I feel like we can really touch on this topic for
3: another two
1: hours. Easily, easily. like for ten hours. Well, shit. Ten hours and Well,
0: shit.
3: Chris could talk about this for ten hours. Here's the thing. Here's I the really thing. Uh, if anything,
0: day. we can make this part one of the cocktail bar beer thing. If anything, next week or the next time you guys decide to join me. Uh, We can uh, dive a little bit more in depth on the whole concept behind bars and beer and all that stuff because I think I know a little bit more about beer than I do about cocktails. Um, So like that would be an area where I can actually, you know, I feel like I can, you know, really tune in and give my two cents in certain things. Um, There were a lot of cocktails that you guys were talking about that I've never heard of myself. Um, But again, this this was a learning experience for me, which is another reason why I decided to even start a podcast because I wanted to bring people in that are really passionate about certain things that I myself. You know, I'm not too aware of and then they educate me and they educate the listeners and it becomes a fun little conversation. So uh, thanks again guys. Uh, Long winnish still out once again. uh, Derek Lee Ramsey here. DLR. Uh, Thanks for listening everybody. Does anyone have anything to say before we get going? Go Connor. Go Connor McGregor. Uh, Uh, We'll see how that goes. (laughs) The Irish. Yeah for sure. The fighting Irish. Alright everybody. Episode 26 next week. Thanks again guys.